spent like a brain surgeon. It's true. Fezzik, he's hot again. And we got a way to get him. And another expert, a special. You probably know about this special because you considered it, I'm sure, if you're smart. When Before the season started, it was get Fezzik, get AJ. But what does AJ do? Well, historically, college football, excellent. Well, this year, or last year, he was great in the NFL, and so is this year. So a lot of winning. But again, I go with the long-term history. So you could add Fezzik for the NFL and AJ for college. Well, you know what? You can have that right now. And we're discounting it special because, well, a couple weeks, or at least one week of NFL has gone by. Now, do you have to go with AJ? No. You could go with Fez and Scott Seidenberg, who focuses on college, too, when it comes to football. Three, what was it, 3-0 last week? 3-0-1. And winning on the season. Can't complain about that. Now, how do you get what's the special? You get each of them, you know, the two, for their sport of expertise. And normally right now, it's nine ninety five. We're taking 100 right off of that. So you're now 895 for a vast majority of both seasons. I mean, think about the NFL. It has 18 weeks of regular season, four weeks, that's 22. So what's 21 divided by 22, Fez? That would be 0.945. I think you're wrong. You I get- estimated. <laughs> Somewhere like <laughs> less than 1%. Well, no, it would be, let's think about this. It'd be about... Uh, 25 is about 2.5%, right? 125th? No, 120th is 5%. 21 divided by 22. You're missing 122s. Hold on. I got the count. What did you say again? 0.954. All right. It's 0.9545. So five rounds up, right? So it should have been 955, and you said 954. Yes. So you're wrong. Yes. (laughs) If you want to be wrong... And even be right when you're wrong, get with Fez, because let's be honest, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> I was trying to not break, but God darn. That is how much is left over, as I would say, over 95% of the season. And almost as much in college, a little bit less. You get it all for less than 900 bucks. Coupon is Dream 100. Dream 100, all one word, D-R-E-A-M. With a one zero zero dream one hundred, you go to pregame.com, hit buy picks. You look around; it's Fez, Seidenberg, it's AJ. It's an extravaganza. And now we've got a freebie for people. Not you, on the one you save a hundred here, you save nothing because you know what? You're going to win something potentially. There's a max of a thousand dollars of cash you can win here. All right? If you get number one in this contest, you get five hundred. But if you beat what Fezzik did last year. You get a bonus 500 to make it 1000 and that's in cash, both of them. Fez, how many units did you win in college last year? 44.9. You sound like a computer, 44.9. That's how he got that .94 number. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Now, let me ask you, though, all seriousness, I thought you were an NFL expert. I am. Okay, now we got a second thing. This baby's free, but this takes the special skills of a man named Steve Fezzik. Go ahead, Steve. 2023 College Football Free Contest. Wait, the season's already started. How does it, it work? It, it has. It's a great contest. So you can make unlimited picks. Okay. doesn't matter. You haven't signed up. You can get in right now. And right. it's a college football contest. Whoever winds up netting the most units wins $500. All right, so the winner gets 500 and that's net unit. I could go 1-0. 
And if no one else wins, I would win with one unit. That's right. It's probably, probably going to take a little, yeah, bit, a little, bit, a little more. bit more. So we were thinking, what's it going to take to win? We're not sure. 40 units, 60 units. But we want to give an extra bonus. Someone does really well. well what we know is you had a monster last season. Right. So you decided. You said, you know what? We're well, going to take I one. I wasn't directly involved. Yes. But you okayed. That you're like, let's take Fez's. Well, I didn't really do that. So Fez They won. are spending my money, and it's their <laughs> contest. But it is, it is an honest-to-goodness pregame.com contest that I back with my financial resources. And not only were we going to give away $500 of our Jason money, you said, you know what? Fez had a real nice college football year last year, and if you can better him... You're having trouble bragging. You had a monster season. If you can do better than Fezzik's monster, which I don't think you can, that was plus 44.9 units, but if you can do better than that, and you wind up in first place, not only do you win the contest for 500, it's bonus time, baby. R.J. Bell will personally double it and give you another $500. 1000 in cash if you win it and beat what Fezzik did. 500 if you win it and don't beat Fezzik. Unlimited picks, you can enter a little late, though it, there is a deadline of entry here in, what, about a week or so? Yeah, so get on it if you're going to do it. You know what it's like? You ever hear the rumors, AJ probably has, about Milton Berle, that he was well-endowed? Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And the famous story was one time there was like, put it on the table kind of thing, <laughs> and Milton said, I'll only take out enough to win. <laughs> All right. Well, this is like that, except Fez is Milton Berle. If you have the biggest in the room, you win 500. If you have the big, bigger than Fez, you double that. The week after, I went four and one. Is what <laughs> Week two coming up. Full house, A.J. Hoffman. A winning week last week. After a monster season, he answers the doubters with a win, three and two. Fez, two-time Super Contest champion. He likes. He always said one time, and you won't. You're gonna deny this, Steve. But one time you said repetition's the key, just like with Hitler. Now that was weird. I always thought, but there are. You know, I never said that. <laughs> see, like I said, he was gonna deny it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say that. But there are like huge books written about how the Nazis gained the minds of, of, of such a big percentage of the German population. And it was, you know, a lot of it was repetitive. I mean, a lot of the marketing that the uh, Madison Avenue did in the 50s and 60s stemmed from what the Nazis did. It was like a it was a learning uh it was expensive learning, but they learned. <laughs> we <laughs> look at Steve like I'm not going to talk now. It's, <laughs> it's like this is a common topic. Like Mackenzie, look up the um, uh, branding is going to be to get look up branding techniques of the Nazis and see how I, much comes up. I, I think that's not just the Nazis. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Animal Farm, four legs good, two legs bad. You know, there was like the theme for the Russian people. Like, we're going to tell you what you think and just repeat it back to us. Let me see. Marketing in society, Nazi marketing is the first thing that came up. And that's from the World Marketing Forum. Now, the second one. Read the second one, Fez. Right yeah. below there? Yeah, right there. <laughs> right Adolf there. Hitler was a marketing genius. According why would, to the why, why would you say that? <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't know that story? Turn off my mic, somebody. <laughs> All right, tag that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it really is a huge sense of, of scholarship or a huge area of scholarship. But I, I, I refuse ethically to read any of it. And the fact there's a few of those books in my library, people bought them, and I don't throw books away. Scott Seidenberg joins. What's your position? You do any marketing work with, or not work, but research what the Nazis did? No. But okay. propaganda's propaganda. That's true. That's true. That's interesting. Mackenzie behind the glass. Rivers. 5-0 and last week, that guy. 5-0. and So Mackenzie went 5-0. and AJ went 3-2. and Fez went three and two. Scott went three and two. Four and one on, or he, on the pod, four and one on the contest. I think I had like two different plays, if not three different plays. So there, there's a lot of winning going on. Mackenzie, what were your five? I had the fate of the three rookie quarterbacks. So Falcons, Jaguars, and Ravens were on my card. Then, they had the, then I had the Packers and Raiders. The Packers? And the right, a lot of Packers. Right side, a lot of right sides. Yeah, a lot of Packers. Packers and Raiders, Ron, AJ, and I's Golden Nugget contest. Oh, part. how'd you guys do? Three and four. <sighs> Two and yeah. zero in the NFL, though. Two and zero in the NFL is right. So you even worse. Yeah, you piggybacked. All right. So <laughs> now, mind you, now the, I won the Packers was my best bet. Oh, you put the Packers on there? Yeah. Wow. Packers and Raiders. Yep. Okay. Okay. What was the call? I mean, what was the college pegs? We had Washington minus 34. They won by 33. Well, we, that happens when yeah. you play 34. Uh-huh. What would you think the line should have been? 35. Yeah. Probably 42. Huh. I don't think I've ever laid 34. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying. Well, you don't really play college. It, like, well, I've played. I've probably bet more college than you've ever bet. Okay. But, but you know, it's been a while. I don't bet college every week at this point. But, um, huh. And what was the other ones? Uh, Troy. Was a loser for us. Oh, Kansas State killed them. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Troy won twelve straight games, and they were catching sixteen and a half against Kansas State. And I was like, they can hang. They could not hang. Um, you, saw, you saw I was Oppo on that. No, I did not see you. You were Oppo on that. Oh, because I gave my my. I released it Saturday. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Be bad. Well, listen, AJ has a long history of winning college. So we can feel what, what what was it like fifty five units since sixty four units since you've been at pregame. So he knows what he's doing. I was worried that the pressure of this contest, Scott. Here's what you need to do: you need to free him up of the pressure. You can't will yourself to wins, right? I'm a big fan. Whenever you start trying to find a sure winner, is when you fall into all the traps. Do you agree with me, Fez? I don't know. Really? I think the harder you work, the better you do. Well, that, that, that's a different question. Yeah. Hard work, greed. But when you make the decision, the heuristic of how you make the pick. That it, I agree with. I, I, you know, I'm just thinking about Russ Culver. And you remember this story where I believe he said that, oh, I didn't even have time to get a haircut. I, like he spent, like he won, a year he won the Super Contest, he just 24-7 was prepping mm-hmm, for his mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Culver used to be the him and uh, Glance yeah. were the AP line before we did six years. So um, I actually found a book on eBay just last night, which was the 1983 entire baseball season's closing lines. <laughs> they re- they put out as a 70-page book. Wow. I have never even seen that before. Mm. 
And it was not cheap. It was like 30 bucks, but I got it because I, it was something I've never seen. So I wanted at least one copy of it. But um, it's wild that there's a market enough for that that people would publish it. Well, back then there was no internet. I right? guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it was gold. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my point is this let's look at, and we'll segue into the NFL right now, but let me give you an example of a game. It would be hard to bet if it was like for your life. Okay. Let's think if you like, uh, I'll give you an example. I liked Arizona last week, right? I told you, Fez, you won three survivors, all three of them with Washington. Shoved with Washington. So you got through it. <laughs> but I told you before, I'm scared of this, right? Yeah, and they could have lost uh, Washington. Yeah, but, but, but what I'm saying is if you're betting, not for your life, but let's say it's the biggest bet of your life or it, you know your kid needs surgery, so you've got to bet. You are halfway there, so betting everything, either have nothing or he, the kid gets a surgery kind of situation, mm-hmm. which happens in movies. You don't play Arizona. No. Even if you think it's the best bet, because you can see too clearly how it loses, right? And to me, those are the best bets, the scary bets. Like when I played Tampa last week is my best bet. That's a scary bet. Yeah. You could have seen them lose by four. Baker Mayfield, he could throw three interceptions. How many Baker Mayfield meltdowns do you need to see to stay away from that guy? What ends up happening oftentimes is the plays that the novices like or the ones with no obvious, there's nothing scary about it. It's just a lot of little edges that aren't really there oftentimes. I actually, there's some, I'll tell you this, when people come to pregame, oftentimes initially, if they're selling picks, they do poor, they might have a 60% season, but they'll go like two and three on games of the year. Yeah. And what you find out, I sit down with each of them and have the talk and then it, it, mostly clears it up. You can't find There's no sure winners. Every game has two sides that you could make the case on. So you just got to make a commitment to one of those sides. You can't try to find the sure thing. Do you think maybe you were doing some of that? I think so. And I think that we often, Scott and I, we did this last year too, and we said we wouldn't do it this year, and then we did, mm-hmm. kind of enslaved ourselves to line value. We did this last year. We, we promised ourselves we weren't going to do it. We said we're not going to become victim to the line moves. And we did it again in week one when we saw that the contest was off from the market. We played those games. Okay, now, Faz, you're, you tend towards that belief. Let's define quickly what we're talking about because I think there's two different ways to think about that. One is, hey, if there's value, meaning the line comes out when? Wednesday for this? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. All right, now you have to submit by Friday. Yes, Friday, Friday night. Evening. In that time, lines move, right? Yep. Now, if you can lay four when it's five and a half, sounds pretty good. You can lay seven when it's eight and a half. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. First question is, are you saying you guys, if there's line value, you auto play it? Or no. are you saying that you can't, you don't play against line value? No, it just it, it becomes one of the games that we circle. And it's like, hmm, it's only seven and in the contest and it's eight and a half in the market. We That's definitely don't good. play against it. Okay. What do you how if you were giving advice to the listener, Steve, contest play, what do you and it has to be concise, what do you do with that the stale lines? How would you approach it? Turn everything into a probability of victory at that spread. So example, let's say you like the favorite minus seven and a half. All right. You like the favorite, all right? So historically you win fifty-three percent of your bets. All right, that's a fifty-three percent bet, laying seven and a half. Then they go ahead and put the the, on the car, 10 and a half. And you're like, I like the favorite. But now I'm ca- capturing 8, 9, 10. So remember, that's a 53% bet. So it's a 47% bet taking plus 7 and a half. 
So it becomes pretty much a 50% bet plus 9.5, and it's probably a 54% bet plus 10.5. So you've got to say to yourself, even though I like the favorite, at 10.5, this is a 54% bet. If that winds up being one of my top seven plays, I'm going to put it on, even though I like the favorite at the current market number. So if you ever wonder, is RJ obsolete? Just think of that answer. <laughs> I said, give me something concise, and you get that was like the seventh example. So what you're but saying? But that's the way I do it. It's okay. like I, I, but, I quantify it to, all into a probability. Rank everything in a probability. No, no, stop, 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 stop. Let me jump in. All right. What you're saying effectively is, what's the true line? What's the market line? What's the difference? Right. And but here's my question: When's the last time? That you've bet that you've picked in the super contest or circuit millions against the line move when we laid the three and a half and mm-hmm. we and I docked so off like, our super like contest four years, gold like four years and ago. I said never again. All right, so but you can't tell me there's not times that it's plus two in the market. Uh, Cornegay put up one and a half and you still like the dog, but you don't you won't play it. Well, I make the argument that <laughs> when you play it in a contest, it's an implied bet. So why make an implied bet and putting on a contest plus one and a half when I can just bet it with in my own wallet plus two or plus two and a half? Because there's a jumbo payout because it's going to be inversely correlated to other pickers. Now that's a great point because right? people don't say yes. But what he's saying is think of what you think the line is. What's the line? Kind of ignore it. But, but let's be candid. Most games you think the line is right. That's the thing. If you don't think the line is right in most games, you're making a mistake. But there are some games, like yeah, in my yeah, example, yeah. you would say you would say in that example, I think the line should be nine, mm-hmm. even though the market's seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So price it accordingly. If they, if they put it at nine, that's a 50-50 play. Now, <clears throat> last question. This is a. I'm going to ask Mackenzie because you know how there's certain like with a black belt. Has anyone took like? Uh, oh, you you've taken. Yeah. Like, what belt do you have? I have a purple belt in jujitsu. Now, how many is that below a, a black? Is uh, it, there's it, brown and then black after purple. Okay, and how many levels are there of like? There's, so I'm a third degree purple belt. So and how many I'm, are there? There's four. So you can get to the fourth one, or the fourth one jumps you up a belt. I get to the fourth one, and then your next promotion. So you have be two brown increments belt. to get to the next yeah. belt. Now, is that how long? If you were, uh, you know, you, you hurt your knee. If you were healthy and training, like. Twice a week. How long would it take? Could you so, get there? Oh, yeah. So the reason why I didn't get there is because I stopped training in a gi, which is what you have to you have to do, like the traditional martial art to, mm-hmm. to get promoted. And I started doing MMA where I was oh. mostly training like the non-traditional. So using the techniques, but just using them without your, your uniform. And it's expensive, RJ. They charge you for each... Like no, if they do that, then you're going to a, a they we call those McDojos. What? Yeah, yeah, because different belts, especially black belts. The question is who gave it to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people are tougher, and and like that's a legit black belt, or that's an Elvis black belt is oh, what I call. Because no. <laughs> Elvis had a black belt. Yeah. Mm. It cost them. No. Oh, are you paying off someone oh, for your yes. kit? You're yeah. like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking he's doing well. Like almost like Roddy Dangerfield and back to school, just like passing out hundreds. Virgil passing out the hundreds. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 60 minute comprehensive test to get the belt next belt. I have a Carlson Gracie purple belt, so mine's legit. Mm. Okay, that one. Well, that's that's the Gracies were started. Uh, it was the first um, the UFC first family of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, but the right. UFC won. He, uh, he won. Yeah. Right, he was like 160 pounds yeah. or something. Yeah, I'd like to see that video. I'm, I'm sure I've never seen it. Too. No, I haven't. Oh yeah. Um, I was the karate kid? He goes, what kind of what color belt do you have? What kind of belt do you have? He goes, J.C. Penny, three ninety nine. 
Oh, I like the Karate Kid. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> Sweep the leg. Yeah, there you go, Fez. There you go. You love the show, the, uh, the follow-up, right? I love Johnny Lawrence, Cobra Kai. He's the hero. I've never watched it, but I loved the first Karate I loved all three Karate Kids. Remember the one where they were in Japan or whatever? Mm-hmm. And they were making, like, they had some kind of thing. Where, dum, yeah. Dum, dum, the, the hand drums. Yeah. In Okinawa. Mm-hmm. I think I'm the only person I know who doesn't like Karate Kid. The first Karate Kid. The first. Yeah, I didn't like it. And you laugh at people's misfortune. Yeah, I'm just a bad person. You I think think. when he said sweep the leg, you were being like, yeah, kill Danielson. (laughs) Kill him. Get out of the body bag. Do you you wish that Mr. Miyagi would have done that that nose punch to the dude that he had on the ground? I would have liked that. See, yeah. It was... I was more of a blood sport guy. That's yeah, what, what he's saying is the Karate Kid had too much humanity. Too yeah. Forgiveness. That, yeah, I can see that from his perspective. All right, so back to the questions. There's some different achievements where you have to like answer seven difficult things to get that level. We're going to give Mackenzie a chance to get up to like um, a black belt maybe. That's good. A black, black belt and handicapping. All right, here's the question, Mackenzie. All right. You have two scenarios. Scenario A is the market is five. The line on the contest is five, but Jay Cornegay says he's going to give you six, or he's given everyone six. He just made a decision. He's making a change. All right? Okay. And he said, there's no reason for this. I just want to do it for fun. When is it known that everyone gets six if they want it on the ski game? He tells each person as they walk up to do their entry. Mm, mm, Okay. All right? Scenario two there was a game on that very same card that came out at five, but then before you put your entry in, the market moves to six. If you have to play one of those, which do you play? Or there's no distinction. So there's three possible answers. You play the first one, in which corner game moved it. Second one, the market moved it. The third one is there's no discernible difference. What's the answer? If you need time, we can wait. The second one, the market information is a lot more important than Jay Cornegay's whim. He's right. So when you have, tell me if you agree, Fez, when you have a line move like that, it's not just you're gaining the point randomly, you're gaining the insight of the the reason for the move itself, which is better than arbitrary. Thus, there's no guarantee that the move addresses all that. You're extremely confident that at five, it's more than a 50% bet. I agree. As opposed to being confident, but not fully confident. I liked how he didn't even pause. Yeah. Because when I put the, hey, there's no discernible difference in, I thought that might slow him down a little bit. All right. You got got one. That was strong. Learn from the best. Wow. All right. So that means you're the best? No. You and Fez are the best. Handicappers (laughs) I know in football. All right. Now, what do we do differently? We start with our best bets. And, you know, there's a lot of questions to answer about Justin Herbert, about Josh Allen. I don't know if you sense a theme here, but let's start with Fez's as the two-time champion of the world. Let's start here with Fez. Fez, you got a five-star. It looks like it's on the Miami-New England. Am I correct about that? It is. All right, and we the market line or the line in the contest right now, Miami is minus three on the road. Yes, I've got the Patriots home dog plus three. What's not to like here? So Okay, now this is a triple like with a crossfire. Oh, my. So you've That got doesn't a, happen very often. No, this is interesting. you got a five. AJ has a four, so you two are in line. <clears throat> RJ has a two. Remember, it's five is the highest, one's the lowest. 
But Scott comes in with a three on Miami. We'll let him jump in. You start. All right. So the line last week on this game was two. The opening line was two. And two makes sense to me. My power ratings make it two. How did these two teams do last week? Both, I would argue, exceeded expectations. But Miami won a game, coin flip game that could have gone either way. New England won the stats against Philly, but just gave up, made too many turnover mistakes early in the game. Philly got a big lead. New England couldn't quite catch up. So power rating-wise, they make it too, but the spot is much better for New England. We've got an 0-1 team against a 1-0 team straight up. Scott, you got some some numbers on that, that that's been a very powerful uh, database here. Let's make sure. Let's. I've done some work on this, and I disagree, so I want to see what he's got. Yeah, since 2012, 0-1 teams versus 1-0 teams are 58.5% against the spread. So from 2012, mm-hmm. 1-0 versus 0-1. Yep, the 0-1 teams are 58.5% ATS. And how many wins and how many losses? 48-34. 48-34. Okay. All right. Um, so here's what I – well, how's this sound? Why don't we finish this whole conversation, and then we can talk about this game and the other games that apply. So why don't Very you good. continue? And one more handicap. I think the spot is terrible for Miami. So Miami, I know travel doesn't matter nearly as much week two as it does week 12 because teams are like so refreshed coming into the season. But they go out to L.A., revenge game, play a tremendous game on the West Coast, come back to Miami, and now they got to go to New England as opposed to New England being home for their second straight game. That's a that's a haul for Miami up northeast there. I yeah, mean, so advantage, a clear advantage, New England. So so five five thousand travel miles. Or I'm sorry, three thousand, six thousand, eight thousand travel miles for Miami. Zero for New England. Advantage New England. Power rating New England. I will take the Patriots plus the three. So if New England did well last week, wouldn't they have won their bet? No, that's that, that, that's uh-huh. not that, that. We keep score with the like, like, like the what the final score should have been, not uh-huh. what it actually is. <laughs> okay, I just don't know if does that make you more depressed when you have a a loser? It should have been a winner. I, yes. No, I'm actually. I'll I feel, answer that. I, yes. No, no, I'm, I actually feel better because I can say, no, I won the stats. So when I lose my bet, yeah. See, there's different approaches here. What do you think of this game? Uh, I like the Patriots a lot here. I, I, first of all. Belichick's going to take away what a quarterback, his best weapon. That's what he does. And I think if you're able to take away Tyree Kill, this this entire offense becomes rudderless. Have you talked to Staley about why he wasn't doubling him? No. Okay. Someone should, though. Absolutely someone <laughs> should. Uh, this is when I was looking into the, the Pats Dolphins history in the Belichick era, 18 and 5 at home, straight up, the Patriots against the Dolphins. In the 23 years that Belichick's been there, the Dolphins have beat the Patriots by more than a field goal in Foxborough once. Wow. And that was the year that Tom Brady had his knee blown out and missed the entire season. Okay, okay. Uh, So I I just think that historically the Dolphins have a hard time going up to New England. Now, on the other hand, New England's had a tough time going to Miami. Yes. Okay, yes. Yep. So I I think when you factor that in, uh, it's just there's too many matchup advantages, coaching advantages for the Patriots here. Well, would we say coaching advantages? Because McDaniels, if we call him effectively a super OC, is probably one of the five best in the game. Do we agree with that? I agree. And Fangio is one of the three best DCs? Yep. So how can there be, as much as I love Belichick, how can there be a coaching advantage? Well, where's Bill O'Brien fall in, in the offensive uh, side? Uh, certainly not that high. I mean, O'Brien's competent, but he's not an innovator. He okay. certainly isn't today. All right. 
that it will, we're going to go to. And again, I'm not saying that Miami has a big advantage. I'm just saying I don't see that as the big distinction. I guess I think from a head coaching standpoint yeah. and a game planning standpoint, and like I said, just the, the idea that he's always able to take away a quarterback's security blanket and make him beat you in some other way. He's not used to beating you. Well, he did a good job taking Tyreek. Remember now, the last – this Kansas City dynasty, quote-unquote, would look very different if – who was the DN? Ford? The DN was offsides for Kansas City. In, against New England. Yeah. The AFC playoff game. And then they went and ended up winning another Super Bowl. There. Game was over. They said stop them. Yeah. And, and I mean, think about this. If Mahomes had won that Super Bowl and Mahomes had somehow beaten Brady in the Tampa Super Bowl, it'd be six to three right now, right? Or, yeah, no, it'd be four. Six, it'd be six to four right now. And clearly, Mahomes would be favored to get. If he had, if he had four championships, we would put over under three and a half more. I mean, just think how literally. Now, again, the Tampa Super Bowl was a blowout, but it was such a decimation on the O line for Kansas City. They would have lost anyways. Well, I don't know. That I mean, the closing line value said what in that game, yeah. right? Wasn't Kansas City still a small, small favor? I think three and a half. Yeah, so went down to three. The market, maybe. the yeah. market could not be that wrong, Steve. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got me, <laughs> Scott. You're going the other way, though. Yes, I am. Uh, AJ mentions how Bill Belichick will take away the elite weapon for Miami. Well, there was only one game last year in which Tua played against Bill Belichick with Mike McDaniel as his coach because he was hurt in this next time they played. No way, Tua? Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, eight catches, 94 yards in that game for the Dolphins. I don't think Bill Belichick took anything away. In fact, Tua is 4-0 straight up in his career against Bill Belichick. The only time the Dolphins lost was when Tua doesn't play. So Tua graded out last week as the best quarterback in the league. In fact, Miami had 17 plays last week of 15 or more yards. It's the most 15-plus yard plays by any NFL team in one single game since 2012. This offense is firing on all cylinders. And Belichick in September is the worst you're going to get out of him. He treats the first couple of games as an extension of the preseason. He's 38-37-2 against the spread in the month of September. Now, he's great beyond, but in September is where you really have to attack the Patriots, and you attack them as an underdog because in their last 11 games as an underdog, they're 2-9 and nine against the spread. And Mac Jones specifically is at quarterback. We're stopping at 11? Because they're 2-9 and nine <laughs> against the spread. But Mac Jones specifically as the New England Patriots quarterback, when he is an underdog of under a touchdown, 0-9 against the spread. The average now, line... Why are we doing it under a touchdown? Because that's what this is, a three-point spread. The oh, average okay. line the average line in those nine games, 2.9. The average team total for the Patriots is 18.3 in those nine games. Mm-hmm. You score 18.3 points against the Dolphins, you're not covering this game. All right. So, I mean, I don't think we can dismiss that Belichick has an amazing career record even back, you know, if you take his whole career, even Cleveland, as a dog. I would agree lately he's been overmatched and and they've been overmatched in certain games. Do me a favor on the September stat. Mm -hmm. Can you look at that and say, just put one distinction on it, is um, that they lost the prior game. So September, right, but they, you know, New England, but they lost the prior game. I I wonder if it's different because I know Mm -hmm. Belichick has an amazing... 
McKenzie's oh McKenzie's beating you to it. Yeah, he's fast. Did, yeah, Scott, did you think if the if the Patriots only scored twenty points against the Eagles, did you think they'd cover? They didn't cover. Should they have covered, as we've discussed? No, and they didn't. Okay, you don't think they should have covered? No, if they scored twenty points, no, and they didn't cover. Okay, now do me a favor, do the Patriots, please. Okay, so McKenzie, good job here. We got the numbers. So this is with the Patriots in September, and and you're right. Uh, Scott is it's been a much less fruitful, less profitable time to back the Patriots early in the year. But when they lose a game, they don't like losing that second game, especially when they were winning big 12, five and one. And that ATS margin is almost eight points. Well, what's the average line in that game? They're, they're probably favored in all those games. Average line is only favored by one and 1.6. That's interesting. It's so low. I'd love to know when they're underdogs, what that number is. Can you figure that out? Yeah, but we're getting to a sample size now that is, um, you know. Still has to be really good. Five and two plus 10.4 ATS margin. Yeah. So, and again, I, listen, this is the thing about trends. It's art. Mm-hmm. It's not science. But in general, I don't think this is a bad spot. I, New England doesn't want to start two, you know, zero and two. So, would I? Because what does Belichick do? Why is he bad in September? Because to me, that whole it's an extended preseason. It's too trite. It's too like, well, what does that even mean? L- reading about it, listening to it, what I gather from it is he makes decisions that hurts him a little now, but it helps him later. A lot of that might be what kind of plays he'll hold back. He won't show in certain spots. A lot of it's playing younger players. Because he wants to get that younger player. And maybe he doesn't want to show against the divisional opponent that he's going to see later in the year. Yeah, but when you're on one He doesn't have true. time. Yeah. It's going to be over that's the by balance. October I mean, 1st. That's the, and you know what? I started thinking about it today. Hey, I'm thinking of betting New England to win the division. I think the Jets, I think the, I mean, it's like 9-1, to one, I think, right now. The Jets aren't going to win it unless they do a monster trade. It is interesting. Their odds... I think it got to like seven to one in the division, and then it got bought down to like five plus, you know, five to one. They might make a monster trade. I mean, Miami's fragile; they could get injured. Yeah, I mean, if Tua gets hurt, I, I you know, I, you know, and let's be honest, the odds are less than fifty percent that he played. Right. If I said over under a total, so he's already played a game, thirteen and a half. But I want to do something slightly different. If I say over under fifteen and a half. So if he misses two games, you still win. If he misses three games, you don't. What's the money line on that? Meaning that's an underdog. It's pretty significant, right? Yeah, under 15 and a half minus 160. I don't know. Throwing so it I'd up. go under there. So I think there's a real chance that they miss enough games uh, or two miss enough games that now it's back to the Bills. Now they're 0-1, okay, but let's be honest. Josh Allen might be having a mental breakdown. Mm. I mean, what we saw yesterday is maybe the worst game management. I mean, I don't know. Have we ever seen worse game management than that? Like you said, they could have just taken knees in the second half they put a one. Yeah, literally. Probably. Probably. And you think the first game of the you, you, all of us have bad habits that we try occasionally to stop, right? Don't you agree that most people, the first day that you're trying to stop that habit— that you tend to achieve it? Like if someone tries says, I'm quitting smoking this time, and I mean it. If they're smoking by lunch, that is really <laughs> bad. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't think Josh Allen went the whole offseason saying, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. And the first game, it's the worst he's done when it comes to bad decisions. I think this division's wide open, which I think gives the Patriots hope. 
You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a long shot. That's why it's nine to one. And I'm not even saying I'm firing yet, but you got to think New England feels alive because the Jets would have been one of their main competitors to to get a wild card. Let's say. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they're looking good. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson and Belichick are friends. <laughs> if by that you mean enemies. <laughs> Any thoughts? No. Do you agree that was the worst game? Manage? It was bad. Was it the worst? Can you can you name before the end of the pod one that was worse? I'll I'll give it some Think thought. On I'll it. give it some deep thought. Ask Chat GBT. Okay. See see if even AI can find. Oh shit! It. He says Josh Allen. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Um, let's talk about. Oh no no. So Fez, what's your thoughts? Hmm. I guess. Are, are you afraid? I think it's a good example of I'm afraid to bet against Miami because they are a monster. I mean, that offensive performance was almost unmatched. Yeah, the defense was lousy, though. Yeah, I know, almost but, lost the game. But offense is, I mean, I, I'm kind of making this the point. It's scary betting against that it's, kind of it's engine. Ho- it's very, they got, they got the cheetah. They got the waddle. It's, it's, it, it, it's terrifying. Yes. Yeah. Tua looks good. Throwing a really good ball. No doubt. I think that's the same reason, though. I was it was scary to bet the Patriots last week against the Eagles. I agree. Scary to bet against the Chargers. That's why I told you then. I thought it was a very mature bet on your part. No, I did. Remember? <laughs> you did. You did. Because that's a tough bet to make. So oftentimes, as you know, those are the best bets to make. I, I agree, and that's what I think the lesson of the contest is, especially. So McKenzie does a good work here. QBR and PFF fifty fifty composite. Two is number one. But he's tied, actually. No, no, he's, uh, let me see. Yeah, he's tied. He's tied with Matthew Stafford. What a game. Everyone saw that coming. Yeah. Does anyone have Stafford? Nope. No. Nobody has Stafford. No one has Jimmy G, number two and number three on the list. And who has one? R.J. Bell. Oh, We're talking about the great one. Tua. Okay, I got him. So we get to drop our lowest two, right? No. No. (laughs) Daniel Jones and Aaron Rodgers. Because I lose one to injury, and then I lose one to being bad. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so you got the yeah. bottom two. He has Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones, so he's instantly like, I want out of this thing. And Rodgers wasn't so good anyway. They had him graded at a 39 on, what, four plays? <laughs> four snaps. <laughs> Jesus. His QBR was 2.6. That's, that's mean. They should just put NA, not applicable. <laughs> All right, so uh, Garoppolo no one has. Now, you know why he did this. The first, What's the odds that McKenzie was going to do this in week one? Brock Purdy comes in at number four. Wow. I spared you guys. I did all the accounting for if the season ended today, how the contest would go. But I spared you guys. I didn't didn't print that out. Well, a lot of time on your hands. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't sleep. So how much would I have won by? You'd be a close second. That's not true. How could that be? Because I'm fading Aaron Rodgers. No, we're, we're not talking about, oh, as part of the contest? Yeah. Oh, God, I don't like that. Um, yeah, but I'm not even sure. We're going to have to listen the to the fades tape. count for injury? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about that, to be <laughs> honest with you. But let's just go on who could pick winning quarterbacks for a second. Is that okay, McKenzie? Yep, that's good. So next up is Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I can't, I, he was on my roster, and I traded him. Who has him? <laughs> you have him. Okay. Then I should have never made that trade. I knew it was a sucker bet. <laughs> now, let me see here. Justin Herbert's 15. Yep. That seems high. 
<laughs> he played a good game. I mean, he's like 15. That's what he is. Yeah, maybe. Herbert hands the ball off, and it's another gain of 12. But wouldn't you say, Fez, on these efficiency stats, which are what these are, that if you have a great running game, it helps you with Yes. I mean, that's why Jimmy G historically done well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mahomes is sixth. Dak is seventh. Baker Mayfield, eighth. Russell Wilson. Jared Goff, another one of mine. That's okay. I got three ahead of your best guy, Herbert. Yeah. Do you have anyone in the top ten? Uh, don't believe so. Uh, I think my best guy right now is Derek Carr. Okay, so you got him at 12 and a half. He's tied, Herbert. Okay. All right. I like the way this is going. And let's be honest. You do realize, McKenzie, Brock Purdy. If I said over, under, Brock Purdy, seven and a half on this chart, what would you say for the season? Uh, seven and a half, I'd go under. I'd, I'd better than seven and a half. So, be, so you're saying he will be in the top seven? If you look up best EPA since 2018, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's just going to do what Jimmy G did, except a little bit better. So so Brock Purdy last year was third in the his. So what was he in last year's numbers alone? I'll pull that up. Did that seem like he was that good statistically? It's the Niners. He played five game. games. He was like the best. Best yeah. five games you've ever seen. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> remember, they were like 500, and then they started winning every no, game. I remember he played well, but he was, I mean, go ahead. He was fifth in EPA composite. So how can he be the best of like 10 years or the third best in 10 years, but he, fifth last year? He doesn't have year? the bad data point that most people are going to have, that he will have. He just doesn't have it yet. I don't believe that. So he, ha- I want to get this straight. He's better than Josh Allen, EPA-wise. During the, you know, all those, you know, Josh, well, I guess Josh Allen has a career. Okay, that's interesting because his first two years weren't good. Okay, let's just say this not a good, well, we're going to get to Herbert. Anything else in this one? Fez? Nope. It was your best bet? It was. Okay. I'm going to wait on explaining the 0 1, 1 and 2 just because I've been talking yeah. a lot. I want to hear other people's opinions. So perk up. All right, my five-star, the Atlanta Falcons, plus one against Green Bay. All right, Green Bay, one of the things that we believe in when it comes to luck is third and fourth down conversions. And if you look at Green Bay, McKenzie, maybe pull up um, the— I think running backs don't matter have the good, uh, you know, where where it's one to 100 kind of thing. Yeah. Percentile, but Green Bay was amazing on third, and you know I don't even know if it was any fours, but they were amazing, like shockingly good. Typically, that just uh, unless somehow Jordan Love is one of the handful of people every decade that is just better on third down. I don't think that's true. Then this game was deceiving. We know Fields had. I mean, how much of this was about? Fields being so bad that it let Green Bay run. It let them. There, there was no. Fez, you always talk about the pressure on a team in a game or the strain. What was the strain on the Packers? There was no strain. So non existent. The, the Packers were styling, and then Chicago, who can't throw, had to throw, and they threw a pick six, and the and the and the separation happened in a game that was close at halftime. Yeah, I mean and, the Green Bay was, I would say, in control, but they were gonna they were gonna win by like yeah seven to ten points. And then the turnovers at the end, you know, extend extend the lead. So if you just look at late downs, ninety six percent, the ninety sixth percentile of the last like X years, 
And they didn't, I mean, it was 8 out of 10 is what the hitman says. He's actually got a pick on this game. Um, I just, I'm betting that that doesn't continue. Right, because if so, we should be getting Green Bay to be a participant, or you know, Green Bay make the playoffs. Green, I mean, it was a good game. I just made a bet with you, not against you, Feds, but we made a bet on over Green Bay. I like Green Bay. That game was I was wrong about the game, and they should have won. It wasn't like that was a lucky win at all. I'm saying the margin and and how easy it looked felt lucky and Atlanta though they certainly did not play a great game you could make the case even win by 14 it was all turnovers that was a yeah they should have defense w- played very well they offense won. was work workmanlike yeah I, safe yeah and but to me fez and this is a standby you look what it was a week ago and except for injuries and injuries can happen you got to account for them but this line was Atlanta favored by one and a half last week now, what's happened since? There's been two games played. Both look good. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. Green Bay, even when this line opened up last week, they didn't even have injuries at the receiver yet. Right? So that didn't happen until Wednesday. Remember? Yeah. Right? This opened on Tuesday. So now, one of the receivers I'm hearing is out this week. Watson. He's, is he on the IR or the four-week IR? No. no. And but he's pretty but much he's out. out. No, it hasn't been announced. He didn't play last week, and they're hoping that he's going to play this week. Yeah, but they always say that. But sure. what I heard is they were really thinking of putting him on the four-week. Well, he did not practice. And yeah. their running on backs, on the, strength, the strength of the offense were healthy, and now their best running back, Jones, is dinged up. Yeah, so the best running back, say the name? Jones. Aaron okay. Jones. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making it where we can hear it. Um Okay, so whenever Fez says names, it's like he goes. <laughs> so to me, the injuries lean that way, and Atlanta got a lot of action in the off season. Now, listen, Ritter didn't look great on the season wins. A lot of action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Ritter didn't look great, but again, another game. I don't know. I just know I'm getting the line went from one and a half to one and a half the other way. Right. You're so, getting one. It's getting uh, Atlanta plus one. Is On the contest. That, in the yeah. contest, yeah. Why is that? The Cornegay curse. No, no, no. I'm serious. I didn't notice that. It's 1.7 right now, we're saying, and, and we're only getting one? It was 1.7 this morning. A little bit of Falcons money coming in today. It came. It, it's, okay, it's a maybe, solid you know one. We should do. We should maybe make the Wednesday one right before the show. Because it's like this is the fourth line that we say has changed today because of the injury report, It's a right? solid 1.0. Everyone's painted one across the board. Okay. Market is one. So if we only recorded this pod six hours earlier, I'd be, I'd, but I think the general point holds, though it's not as attractive um, by a smidge, right? Obviously. But that's about it. I don't, you know, I was looking because I, I, I'm fascinated by this. Week one. What I used to say about week one is it's the it's only one game, but when it's a hundred percent of the games, it means a lot. And I think in some cases I still believe that. But if you look at the data, if you take the line in the first game and you run a regression, so you see how correlated it is to the net margin on the season. Right? So you don't even account is it home or away? Like, mm-hmm. What's the line in game one? If you're minus seven, then you should have a good net correlation, or, or I'm sorry, net margin at the end of the year, which is points for, points against, you know, so the Pythagorean approach. Mm-hmm. It's like 
50% more predictive, the line, than the margin of victory the first week. All right, so let's give an example, right? So who was the biggest upset? Oh, uh, let's say Minnesota, right? The line says Minnesota's minus six last week, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the margin of victory said they lost the game, mm-hmm. right? Is the line is going to be more correlated to how they do on the season than the victory or, or, or the way the game played. Now, that's stunning. So it's, the, it's really saying the priors are more important than the well, game. Well, sure. I mean, I, th- I, think that's, I don't think that's stunning. I mean, I would, well, I I mean, would think that's stu- a lot more predictive. I mean, the volatility, I mean. But, but, here's, the qu- but here's the point then. It kind of makes re- overreacting to week one seem foolish then. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess for any— Which is making your point here because there has been an yeah, overreaction. Exactly. And, and it would be easy for a lot of naysayers to say, oh, what's RJ talking about? It's minus one versus plus one. Who cares? I like to think of it, think of it as a no-vig money line, okay? On a no-vig money line, Atlanta was—were uh, they one and a half or were they one? One uh, and a half for the look-ahead. So, so, so they were like minus 113 on the look-ahead, plus 113. I'm doing no-vig lines. Okay. Now Atlanta is plus 107. So there's been a 20 cent move. So think about this: if this was a baseball game and a well, team, this is effectively from two and a half to three. Yeah, eight, right. that's a great way to look at it. it essentially, moved on to a, on or off a of three. Perfect. Yeah. To me, I never think like whenever I hear someone say that's not a key number. That's not. To me, that's how you figure out how much you're gaining from what you're doing or losing. But you can't ever dismiss it. We're battling for pennies. And you're picking up, not pennies, you're picking up almost a quarter here. And I agree. And especially if we would have done this a few hours earlier. (laughs) If someone was late, wouldn't that be, oh, I guess Cornegay came out. Yeah. Um, All right. This was the last cut from my card. I I agree with you strongly on this one. I I, I think just the idea that Green Bay is not going to be playing a high school defense this week is going to be a big change. Jordan Love only got hurried twice last week. No wonder he looked great. Uh, meanwhile, Bryce Young got got uh, pressured eight times last week against his Falcons defense, and I think you have to remember the Packers are dreadful against the run. Last year, twenty eighth in, in yards per carry against the run. Uh, I, it feels like this. Fa- you mentioned Desmond Ritter not being very good. Their run blocking is insane. They are so good running the football. They're going to be a real handful for teams that can't stop the run, and I think that's a problem for the Packers. Yeah, two straight road games to start the year. That's it. I haven't looked at that. Can you look at that, McKenzie? And, yep. and just the idea that the, at the beginning of the season, the Falcons were a nine and a half win total. The Packers were eight and a half, mm-hmm. and now that, the Packers that, that are like. favored on the road. I, it just doesn't make sense to that me. That is a concise yeah. way. Eight, to eight say. and a half and seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So we're saying that w- the Atlanta was, was one, to be two one win, one win, one win higher. Yeah, one win higher, which is two points, right? Yep. So, and now all of a sudden, even if we only say, and I would make the case, remember, home field advantage is about the difference from your home to you being on the road. Green Bay being so good at home means that the the away factor for them is significant. And remember, we spoke about when they're away at Soldier Field or playing in Chicago, they're playing on grass. It's um, it's a it's a surface they're really good at. Now they got to play on the turf, mm-hmm. you know, in the dome. Yeah, mm-hmm. they it's, don't it's play. It's a lot different year. than playing in Lambeau. Yeah. By the way, a lot of a lot of value here. If you start away, away, forty nine winners, forty nine losers, three pushes. But by the way, down point six points a game, Faz. That's not nothing. Well, this is a one point spread. So wouldn't the straight up number really apply instead of the spread number? Yeah, but 
But remember, amongst all those straight ups are a bunch of time. I mean, the average line is is two and a half. I like the minus point six against the spread, but maybe I'm drawing it for, for, for desperately well, for something. I, I'm much rather that than plus, plus put, yeah, the other way. And uh, that's not from 2012. Okay. All right. So let's listen to the hit man. He he likes the um, under in this one. Let's see if he backs up my theories. Here is the hitman. Best bet, Green Bay, Atlanta, under 40 and a half. Atlanta might be the number one dead nuts under team in the league. Their offense looked like a 1970s offense last week as Desmond Ritter threw at or behind the line of scrimmage more than double the league average. Both these teams are bottom three in pass rate over expectation. And Atlanta, we kind of figured that they might play conservatively on offense. But Green Bay scoring output against a league-worst Bears defense wasn't exactly representative of what this offense is at the moment either. The team's two most explosive weapons are questionable for this game. And last week, Jordan Love was an unsustainably 8 for 10 for 141 yards on third and fourth down. Green Bay's owner even came out saying before the season that he knows this Packers team is going to have to win with defense early in the year. Green Bay has invested a ton of first-round picks into an underrated defense. Atlanta has spent a ton of money in free agency on an underrated defense, and it's two conservative offenses. We go under. Now, unfortunately, on this one, released because we have people record, then it gets sent in, it's recorded in the morning. This one was 41 and a half. It's down to 40 and a half. 41 is, is a key, key number. So I would be careful. I wouldn't look over. But don't forget, obviously, the key numbers matter. They're key, I think it's fair to say. Um, all right. I think that covers it. You know, let's take a minute and talk about the next pick is what? Let me see. A five from AJ. You Let me see. Some crossfire with you. Yeah. Wait, you're five? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's interesting. All Second right, week in that. a row, you've crossfired my best bet. Well, on my pod, you're crossfiring me, but okay. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills minus nine and a half. Here. <laughs> really? And. Josh Allen couldn't have been much worse against the Jets. He just threw another interception. But let's remember, the Jets literally built their defense to stop Josh Allen. That is what the Jets did. They, that's how they draft. They didn't draft to stop Tua. They didn't draft to stop Matt ca- Jones. How did you characterize? How would you characterize Josh Allen's performance? Boneheaded. He smells. I didn't. I don't think he smelled necessarily. <laughs> but listen. Unless the Bills are fundamentally broken. Oh, hold on, I think I got it. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> the drop-off from the Jets' defense to the Raiders' defense is pretty massive. Raiders 29th in defensive DVOA last year, 31st against the pass. Well, we're looking at, last week we looked at all of last year's box scores. Now we're looking at their season stats? I mean, how good are the Raiders this year? How'd they do last week? We got one game that they played Russell Wilson. Okay, but how'd they do? What was the over under? Because correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have who did you have in the? I Raiders? had the Raiders. All right, so you liked the Raiders, and they exceeded expectations by winning the game. They did. Right? Okay, so Russell Wilson. I mean, unless you got a new wing on your house, you thought it was a competitive NFL. I mean, where would, Russell Wilson right now is what fifteenth in the league? You know, I'd say in the league right now. Where would you rate Russell Wilson? Like in the league, I, th- I think he's. Be- I think he's probably at this point below the midway point. He's number nine on this list. Okay, 
You think he's below? So if we said uh, 16 seconds, if I said over under 17 and a half, you'd let me bet under? You'd let me bet better than that? On this, uh, this scale? Well, which is the best scale there is. It's half PFF, half ESPN QBR. Yeah, I'd take that. Really? Yeah. Russell Wilson. All right, I'll bet. No, wait. Hold on. So you're saying he's, <laughs> he's going to be – I'm saying he's going to be below 16. No, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you said that he's in the – you said he's in the second half of the league. Second half of the league. Okay. So below so, 16. But, but here's the thing. There's 16 in the first half. Right. 16 in the second half. So 16 and a half would be worse than 16. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'm saying, huh, when you say worse than 16, it seems like moving at one slot and say 17 and a half, that's a fair. Because I asked you, would you say over under 17 and a half? Would you take it? And you said, yes. Okay, fine. Go ahead but and get you your. It, but I'd rather it, 16 and a half. But well, I'd, no, I'd rather it at 23 and a half. Well, I, I said half. I said the bottom half. But so where did you get 17 and a half from? That was my proposal. Okay. Well, I, I did say yes to that, so if you want to take that, that's fine. But if you don't, if you say, um, I do, please have pity on me, don't take No, I'm not going to say that, so push the button. Fez, let me ask, you don't know who's where on this one. I All think right. he'll be able to tell pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? You're taking and AJ's laying. <laughs> All right, here's the question. Russell Wilson, in the composite of PFF and ESPN, QBR, exactly how we grade it, over, under... Or better or worse than the seventeenth and a half person. So is he seventeen or better? I was thinking eighteen and a half off the top of my head. You would make it eighteen and a half. I, I made it before you. All right. So you agree with AJ? I'm going better than seventeen and a half. Interesting. Okay. okay. Well, we're. I mean, we're real close. Yeah. Go ahead, bud. Okay. So last year, this is the important thing with the Bills uh, against non-playoff teams. Like RJ talks about Harbaugh being a bully. The Bills are bullies. Against non-playoff teams last year, 10-1. and one, The Jets av- didn't make the playoffs, right? Nope. Okay. The average margin, 15 points per game. If you take out the Jets games, who, like I said last week, the Jets are built to stop the Bills. I was against the Bills last week. Was that one of your picks in the— It was not. Oh, okay. But it, I mean, I, in your mind, you were against I mean, I said on this pod— that <laughs> my they, heart, I was. In my, <laughs> on this pod, I said Josh Allen does not play well against his Jets defense. If you take out the Jets, they were 17 points per game better than the So let me ask you a question. Could you look at that same stat from the time when he threw those in— when some people speculate he got hit in the head? But there was a given point he started playing worse. Well, it was I, in I the Jets it, game. He hurt his elbow. The green, I, I think it was after the Green— in the second half of the Green Bay game, maybe. But this is arbitrary. It was his ulnar nerve or something. Yeah, he got hurt in one, and then they said he maybe started acting crazy because he kept throwing interceptions after. Can can you eyeball that even? Is because well, I mean, if you give a stat, we in last year was the tale of two seasons. You'd agree with that, yeah. right? So let's see how you know. Well, this isn't a Josh Allen stat. This is a Bills stat. This is the Bills running up the score against bad teams. But I think Josh Allen has a big part. Let's just say if Josh Allen was found to be hurt right now and you had a chance to retract your pick, you would, right? Sure. Okay, so I think it's pretty – Josh Allen's a big piece of this. Okay, so after Green Bay, they beat the Browns 31-23. to That's a nice one. They beat – they won at Detroit 28-25. to Okay, not a bully there. They beat the Patriots by 14. Mm-hmm. They beat the Jets by eight. They beat the Bears by twenty-two. That's a nice one. They beat the the Patriots again by twelve. Okay, yeah, not as good as I mean, but still not bad, not bad at all, not bad. Do you feel like the team after what you saw yesterday is comparable to last year's? Yes. How much? What did you do to the the grade on them, Fez? I lowered them. Um, 
I didn't have him that high. I had him four points better than an average team. Now three and a half. So, so I, only a half point downgrade. Yeah, but, but Zach Wilson. Um, I mean, it does feel like the whole. I didn't want. I didn't want to bring him down to three because it seemed three. It's kind of like we we talk about this. I don't like to make a big adjustment when I'm already lower on a team than the market. Doesn't that mean you're always going to be pretty much exactly with the market, and that's they're useless. The stats. Or, or the power. I mean, effectively, your power ratings matter when you differ with the market, right? Yes, yes. But I, but, but I would argue, that like, starting the year, like, everybody had, like, a lot of people at Buffalo, like, right there is the best team, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I didn't. So, you know. No, I agree. I, I Listen, I've been almost schizophrenic with Buffalo. I've been against them. Then, recently, I've been thinking for them. This game means a lot. This is one of the, you know, be interesting. Why don't we kind of each identify as we go through it? What is the one game that really changed our mind about a team Ooh. this this week? Mm. And I'd say Buffalo's right up there. And I would say Raiders are right. In fact, Seattle. Yeah, well, but then that the injury, if it wasn't for the injuries, I wouldn't be, mm. it would be one bad, they were leading at halftime against a team, quite frankly, that beats them all the time, mm. right? So it's the injuries that, that are horrible to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Mine was San Francisco. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I, yeah. What, what do we do? No, no, no. I think. Oh, you right? mean when we get to those yeah, games? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but the other one for me is the Raiders, where. Jimmy G, there was no – he did nothing in New England. He was supposed to start during Deflategate. He had four games to start. He lasted one and a half, right? So he did nothing in New England. He went to San Fran and had a good career. But it was Kyle Shanahan's robot, his puppet or whatever. That could have been the case. Well, he shows up in another place and has one of his best games of his career. He literally was the third highest-ranked quarterback of the week – to me, this one shows Jimmy G can do really well outside of Kyle's system. I think that was a real question entering the year. So to me, that's a big upgrade. And Josh Allen continuing the first game on Monday night acting so erratic. I mean, if we find out he did take a blow to the head and, and, and started taking more risks, all la Vinny Chase, hmm. remember? Would we be surprised? Wouldn't it be like, yeah, you're right. I see it now. No, because like I said, the, the Jets – Make life hell for Josh Allen by, by catching the balls he throws right to them. By the pressure that they get on him. Okay, the um, Fez. If someone said that that they have good information that the Bills fixed that game, oh, stop. would you? Wouldn't that? How would it look? How would a fix look? Well, I hope they get good defense lawyers because they're going to be convicted. Because <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they clearly deep passes. Mackenzie said it best. They was though the the at halftime the money line was minus twenty five hundred. Take back eleven to one on the Jets, and they lost. So they're saying four times out of a hundred they should have won. And Zach Wilson played as bad as anyone could have expected. If we, I would have gave you his stat line. And the game situation at halftime, and I say, here's the second half stats. What would you say? Yeah, b- 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 even worse than I expected. And I didn't expect much. And his, his one key play was some. I can't remember whether it was someone stepped on his foot and he was falling, he was falling sideways. Down and he threw and it he to like Alan a Lazard, shot yeah. put it to Lazard for like the key play. Mm-hmm. He's 25 on this list, so that's not horrible. 14 of 21, 140 yards. Given he won the game, it's. You would expect better, yes. So, AJ, entering year three of being a full-time professional, you know, handicapper, content creator, media presence, I remember the first game you had was the Bills lost to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And you said, bad beat, Steelers, uh, Bills should have won. 
And I was shocked by it at the time. It feels like you've matured and like at different points you laugh about what you used to think. What is your case right now that the Jets somehow, though they weren't one of your five picks last week. They weren't. They're somehow custom made to beat Buffalo, and that's no matter what happened in this game, it wouldn't matter. How do you think about it, honestly? Though I, it, I, I said last week, and it wasn't one of my plays. You're right, but I did say that the Jets' defense has historically given Josh Allen trouble, and I would expect them to give Josh Allen trouble again because the Bills' weakness is their offensive line. The Jets have the best front seven in football, arguably. And how good can a team be if their weakness is the offensive line? They can probably be a, about the fifth best team in the league. You think so? I think so. I don't think so. Well, I mean, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl with a disastrous offense. That's a line. great example. It's a great example, but 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 Burrow was playing a different brand of ball. It was God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm not even sure in hindsight if that wasn't. I'm starting to wonder how good the Bengals are. It's fine. I mean, it's weird. This Bills team, we keep talking about that Monday night game. But let's double back. How much worse was this performance than you expect? Like, in 100 games, Josh Allen, does he have this performance even five times? No. Okay. And and it doesn't trouble you, the sequence of events. A bad second half. He was the favorite to win the MVP at the halfway mark last year. A bad second half and a disastrous first game. And to you, it's just random. I mean, he hurt his elbow last year. I, I think that it was. It, I know that's an why explanation. This year, that's why this year makes it so sh- shocking. And you know what? If he throws three picks against the Raiders, then you need to just tear up your Bills Super Bowl tickets if you've got them. But I'll take. I, I just don't. Has. I don't. I don't think that happens here. I, I, this is what the Bills have done under McDermott. Well, I hope they, you're they right. Bully this, up against bad. This will be my teams. survivor pick because I'm going to shove with the Bills. Oh, I want to get rid of them. I want to use them and then be done with them. Do you really think about this now? Who else do the Bills play? Do they play Houston at all? I haven't gone through their whole you, schedule. You might want to look. They host Tampa Bay yep. is their biggest summer line. Okay. And what's that line? It was 10 and a half in the summer. Tampa is probably, it's probably about the same as this one. Okay. Yep. Um... What do you think? How did what did you think about McDermott as a head coach? I mean, I'm for the first time I'm hearing like maybe he should go. I think that's crazy. Do you think he did a good job? I, no, but I mean, I, I I think he did a good enough job to win. I think Josh Allen. What did he do wrong? He he let Josh Allen be willy nilly with the ball. I guess he he let the he put the decision making in Josh Allen's hands when he should have just said, hey. We're not we're not going for a knockout punch here. We just need to slow and steady wins the race in this game. So Fez, how you're you're a critiquer of the game decisions, you know, head coach kick the ball to the one kind of thing. What did you think of of, of only what McDermott could control? Meaning Josh, you can't control a franchise quarterback, right? I mean, what are you going to tell him you are not allowed to throw? So what do you think about what he did? And remember, he's the D.C. I'm embarrassed to say my wife had me go out and get dinner in the second half. So, okay. so I thought this game was donezo, so I like missed the second half comeback. That would have been a good YouTube 12-minute, baby, right? <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, Scott, I mean, you keep your you know, fingers on the media. It seems like there's a lot of critiques. Yes. I mean, what, what ones do you agree with most? What do you maybe don't? I was prepping for a pod. That's good. That's good. Well, when you talk about just the turnovers for Josh Allen, you, the most ever since he's come into the league mm-hmm. among any quarterback. You take away. Oh, so you're saying from the time he came in the, the league until now, came, yes. no one has more. No one has more turnovers. Hmm. I would, the, the one, we always talk about 
some not all interceptions are created equal. So I actually take away that third and long one that he threw because that was like a punt. Mm-hmm. It w- was down inside the five. It was a damn good punt. Actually, <laughs> it, it was a great punt. Um, the other two the completion was sure been he calculated that. The other two were forcing into windows, and I think that Josh Allen's one of those guys. We talked about it before. Like it's like the the, the you trust your arm so much that you think you can get it in where the throw doesn't belong, and that's what we've seen too much from Josh Allen. It's the risk-reward factor, and he hasn't been able to reel that in. And if he doesn't reel it in, then I don't think the Bills are going to go as far as people expect them to go. And I think that maybe people are right when they say that this is a downward trend for Buffalo. This is all the, this is what people used to say about Brett Favre, and I agree. It's not ideal. It's certainly not. But if Josh doesn't take the chances that he takes, the, the good Josh – doesn't exist either. But are you completely oblivious to the fact that the, there's no upside? The best you can do is win a game. Yeah. You don't get any – I mean, there's a tiebreaker like seven levels down points. I don't know if it's ever even been used, right? So a win's a win. If you're in a situation where if you kneel, you have a guaranteed win and you lose the game, it does seem like the head coach has to take some responsibility. The fact that they ran the ball 22 times – is pretty unacceptable also, in a game where they had a positive game script for almost the entire game and they knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing. And doesn't the head coach have to take yes. responsibility for that? Before your time, possibly. But like late 70s, early 80s, the Bengals actually, believe it or not, beat the Steelers no. for the division. And I still remember the headline. Wait, wait, wait. During the middle of the Steel Curtain run. Could have been 81. Okay, right? okay. Right? And I remember I the headline in the like Dayton it. Daily News is Bengals hang big seven on Pittsburgh because they had to win by seven or more points. And they were up seven. The Steelers chose not to kick a field goal to win the division. They went for the win. Uh, and they... So that was the headline the Dayton Daily well, News. Well, that sounds like an interesting <laughs> like 30 for 30 kind of thing. <laughs> Wow. But even if – forget about the throws the decision-wise. After the Jets scored the touchdown to tie the game, on that first play where he fumbles the snap, just fall down on the football and live to play second down. Instead, he picks it up and tries to run with it and fumbles it a second time and turns the football over, gives the Jets the short field, and the Jets take the lead. That's decision-making. And I know that he's an athlete and he's trying to make the play, but sometimes as a quarterback, you just got to do what's smart, and that's live to play another down. My only point would be this. If Brett Favre at a certain point took a blow to the head and then from there on acted in, like he's not playing like he did, not just his first year, the, or I'm sorry, his first good year, his third year. He's playing the, in the first half of the next year was good, and then all of a sudden it's like it's different. Well, you know what the common denominator is and what – has been the conversation. You asked what the media is talking about. Maybe with, with a D in the last name. Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But there's been a decline since Brian Dable left. Pretty big. Mm-hmm. And it took maybe the league half a year last year to figure out what the what Miami quarterback, right? What's, who's the OC now? Uh, he was Miami quarter the uh, Miami Hurricanes? Oh, Ken Dorsey. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the guy with the clipboard. Ah, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm tough. Yeah. Dorsey's the one that I think he was a quarterback when the high state beat. Yeah. Okay, good. F him. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a good pass interference. I don't care <laughs> yeah, what anyone great said. Call. That was the, the Maurice Claret year. Right? Was it? Yeah. But it was. was he playing at the time? Yeah, he was. Good, 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 good. He <laughs> deserves one. He deserves one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's great about sports is you don't have you don't have to be consistent if you're a fan. Now as a batter, you need to be yeah. AJ. You need to be. Yep. 
I'm I'm going to watch closely. How much did you upgrade the Raiders, Fez? Because I mean, to me, it was not only was it Jimmy G having, uh, I think, a statement-making performance, but I think the whole team looked good. Give him a whole point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think part of that is just like it sure has the look of um, this team's just like undervalued. Six and a half wins just wasn't right. Well, they were one of the biggest droppers. You remember? I yeah. think they went for seven and a half. Now, how are you feeling right now, Giants? Versus Raiders, because remember, we made a straight-up trade. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one week. It's one week. How's I, your power ratings, out, out Giants versus window. Raiders. Uh, Raiders are 22nd. The Giants are 24th. Raiders are better. Yes. And, and NFC is better than the AFC. Oh, clearly. <laughs> I mean, we made a monster bet. We talked about it Monday. Let's talk about it now. Make, tell them the bet and make the case. Free, yeah. free bonus best bet. Yeah, so we bet the NFC plus two and a half. Ooh. And this is the Super Bowl generic line. Yes, NFC versus AFC. And this is a classic example. We're supposed to not overreact. I'm going to want to get your thoughts, AJ, on this. But we get the but. So the books are like, yeah, it's a it's a long season. We're not going to change this line after one week. But think about it. In the NFC, the Eagles eh, they kind of met expectations. They covered. Dallas kicked ass. San Fran kicked ass. And every single contender in the AFC underperformed. Kansas City. Buffalo, Cincinnati, so yeah, perfect the main storm. Ones. Miami maybe now enters that, right? Right, but you but know two what? Two is a big question. But you know what? We're fine for the fourth best team in the AFC to be playing better than expected. We'd like nothing better. Let Tua and company mm. make the Super Bowl against the 49ers, because then the Niners are going to be favored. Yes. So to me, the best case you could have made is even. I think even may I, I think uh, NFC should be a slight favorite. The two best teams in the league right now are San Fran and Dallas. And I don't think many people disagree. And we're, and the funny thing is the depth in the AFC is a disadvantage because it makes it likely that the third or fourth or fifth will be the um, representative. There could be an exactly. upset in the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. The Chargers the third, can make the Super Bowl. The third best mm-hmm. team is— I like that. Is, I'd love that. third best team is Philly. They could be a lead again. And then we drop all the way down to Detroit. And, of course, it's a disaster if Detroit yeah. gets in. But guess what? Detroit doesn't win a playoff game, so— they're not going to the Super yeah, Bowl. Dallas, San Francisco, or Philly would be favored over, you know, like I said, if the Chargers make the Super Bowl. Now, some people look at the KC and say, "Well, they lost. They didn't lose. They lost their tight end. They almost won." I think KC's got bigger problems. Just you know what? They, they could be healthy. Just hitting them with the loss and then having that back end schedule weeks eleven through seventeen means they're not getting home field. Good luck getting there. It's hard to get to the Super Bowl. So forget the market. Forget that you hate going against the market. What would you make the line right now? NFC minus one and a half. Yeah. So we got some real value there. Yeah. I loved it. You like that bet? I do. I still think Kansas City's the best team, but See, I don't. They might be the best team. I, I think they, eventually. I, right I mean, now. normally we we say let's not overreact to one data point, and I feel like there's just a lot of overreaction to one data point. And this, like, after one week, we're like, well, the Bills suck, the Chiefs well, suck, the Bengals suck. Well, no one's no. We're saying they're the best teams in the AFC. We don't think they suck. We think that there's what's the question mark for San Francisco? Is Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's health? Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think his health. I think just is he any? Well, is, yeah. Is, is uh, Brock he as Purdy. Good as he seems, yes. Right. What's the question mark with Dallas? Dak. McCarthy. Dak is like number eight on everyone's QB list. McCarthy's right? the question mark. Okay. In, in the playoffs also. All right, it, I agree it's a team that. built to go 14-3 and three and then screw it up. I think that's fair. What's Philly? 
Replacing the defense? The D, the D, yeah. Yeah, the two coordinators. I think those are all pretty reasonable questions. On Kansas City, is this a – does this portend Kelsey hitting the wall? Kelsey is of the age, mostly tight ends at that age, or even receivers. I'd be shocked if he had anything other than like a 700-yard – So you're saying he's going to fall off the cliff. That's what I think, because you start getting banged up, it's a, it's, a, it's often a precursor to the drop. We see it happening to the Charger wide receivers every year. <laughs> now, um, I, I personally also think if you look at strength of scale – I mean, McKenzie and I put together um, – the adjustments from last year, and Kansas City was the second healthiest team in the league last year. I, I think they were not. I gotta be honest. I think you play last year a bunch of games and some simulation. I don't think KC wins it the most. I, I really. I think Buffalo might win it. Like if Hamlin doesn't get hurt in one of the simulations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Buffalo maybe. But again, Josh Allen was playing. But I guess what I'm saying is everyone thought, oh, without the cheetah, they're in trouble. They won the Super Bowl, so it's like, yeah, nothing can stop them. Boy, Kelsey had a monster last year without that. And and the other receivers look – like whatever advance you think you'd get from those other receivers, has anyone been progressing for Kansas City? They're already talking about how they need to dump their one through threes and replace them with their four through sixes. <laughs> nice. yeah, right now, Forget Sky Moore. you got to get that guy out of there too. McCole Hardman's on the Jets now. If he was on the, the, the Chiefs still, he'd be the number one. And they gave up a, th- a three – for the Giants guy, Darius Tony, who, who can't catch a cold, he's hated. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like it's un- unquestionable. The Jets are, you know, obviously the Jets are weaker. Dunzo. I think Buffalo. I mean, I think it's bigger than Josh Allen. I think that McDermott made a monster mistake taking the DC. If he thought he was the best DC, why wasn't he the DC the year before, and the year before, mm-hmm. and the year before? He gave up that role. And now you look at some of the mistakes on Monday. They were it was game decisions. It was the kind of thing the head coach has to be focused on. He's calling defense. This is a guy who wasn't calling defense, and he couldn't figure out not to kick it into the end zone against Kansas City. You can't be happy with them, you know, the Brees Hall, you know, gashing them for those long runs. Yeah, I when think, you knew that they're going to hand it to Brees Hall. Yeah, and he's off of ACL. Yeah. Yeah, so he's back. I think it's hard. It's hard. That's good. It's hard to make Buffalo not with a big old question mark. And then Baltimore didn't look any good. And listen, I know Baltimore was second level anyway. Cincinnati. I, Baltimore's Bur- a lot of injuries already. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. And Burrow, listen that that was an injury. He was injured. So, and what's the theory? When you have a calf, it's one out of three re-injure it that year. Let's go re-bend it. It often often leads to more severe injuries. Like Kevin Durant, when he had a calf turned into an Achilles. And Aaron Rodgers had a calf. You gave out that NFC bet right on our Monday pod. I know. Yeah, bonus. I like it. Would you still bet it at plus one and a half for those of us that didn't get down at plus two and a half? They should be favored. Take the plus 110, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I like plus 110 more than plus Plus, if Dallas or San Fran is the – I think they lose a close one just as easy as they win one. I like getting those points, (laughs) even instead of the money line. That's true. All right, next game, right? We good? We're good. That's a crossfire with one of them. Second straight week you fade my best bet. <laughs> Who's up next? Uh, Scott's best bet is. Oh, we are, we've already. Uh, no, no we've gone. Yep. And it's my and it's it is a crossfire because my best bet is New Orleans and Fez has a three 
on Carolina. Ooh. So a little crossfire with Fez. Uh, I understand the Saints may have gotten a bit lucky last week uh, in their in their game. I think if we go back and we say that that should have been a pick six for te- for Tennessee, yes, it should have been a pick six, but instead it got called the fumble. We're talking about when Derek Carr was throwing the football forward. But anyway, defensively, they held Derek Henry down for the most part last week, and I don't see Bryce Young doing anything anything against the Saints because he didn't do anything in week one. And I'll give you the stat that I gave out last week when I faded Carolina. Rookie quarterbacks struggle early in the season. In the last 20 week one through three games, four and 16 against the spread, one 18 and one straight up. Carolina is also 11 and 21 against the spread at home since 2019. So there's no home field advantage here. And I looked at, uh, I found the stat that was very interesting. And it had to do with retread head coaches. So old coach in a new place. How do they do with the new team? You know, they have to install their systems and all that stuff. Well, it's usually good fading them in the first half of the season. In weeks one through 10, since 2013, for a retread head coach, an old coach in a new place, they're a combined 39.7% against the spread. The sample size, 89, 135, and 5. I have no love for this Carolina team with Bryce Young and Frank Reich. I think the Saints, who have gone or defensively, have played extremely well, aren't going to allow Carolina to score a ton of points in this one. I think the Saints get the win here and cover on the road. So I've got a three weight in the other direction. Power rating wise, I make it three. So I'm I'm right there with the marketplace. So why am I back in Carolina? Why well, I, I love the 0 and 1 against the 1 and 0 trend. Um, the fact that um, the Saints, I, I was not impressed at all with Derek Carr. I was actually massively disappointed with his debut. You know, with the team uh, making mistakes and the like. And you bring up a good point. I don't trust Young at all. But the summer line on this game was pick him, and now we're all the way to three. Did New Orleans do anything to make me want to invest in them? God, no. Uh, and Carolina played a, a fairly poor game against— Whoa, 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 whoa. I think you got—you can't downgrade Carolina from last week, can you? A little bit. How? Because they played young, a coin flip game as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. They lost by 14 points. But, again, what was the underlying stats? Well, it, it comparable because Atlanta didn't have to do anything. Because it, It's hard what to evaluate. What was the score at halftime? It was tied. The, so, so, well, the fourth quarter counts too. The uh, that's your but line, when, right? But when they're turnovers, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm worried about because if Bryce Young, I thought looked perfectly fine except for two bad turnovers, um, and and the two interceptions. But I think being at home, he, I would expect that they're going to dummy down the, the the playbook, and I could just see New Orleans winning another game by one point here. I'm getting three, and I just I love that 0 and one. Remember, you know, go, the summer line this Hold game was pick them. Hold on a second. Going to dummy down the playbook. The number one pick in the draft in game two is going to have a simpler game playbook than game one? They're both simple. Okay. So right, and, and they're going to say, we lost, like you said, we were tied at halftime and then we lost because we turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. We've got to, like, m- make— It's the opposite. You need more plays, not less plays. Well, he's—I he's, he's I don't anticipate him being asked to make high-risk throws. In this that's game. a different thing. Right, well, that's what I got, meant to say. Last week I talked about number one overall pick quarterbacks and how they do not win in week one. And let's go back to number one overall pick quarterbacks and see how they do in week two. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, lost. Joe Burrow, lost. Kyler Murray, lost. Baker Mayfield, right, lost. So, Jared Goff, lost. So instead of going through 
like that, let's look at it like this. Rookie QBs in September, because that's going to have game one, game mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. All right, since 2021. So this is the new crop. You might say, well, why only since then? Well, there's three rookies that started this year, game one. There's been only two other seasons in the last 10 that there's been three or more rookies that started game one. There's no way we could possibly think that that one of these, that this crop was a, like a super superior crop. There wasn't even a true number one in here, mm-hmm. right? So the fact that there's three starting, it's the league moving towards we're lowering the bar, we're starting you a lot earlier than we used to. Last year there were none, right? None. So since 2021, when we've had uh, rookie QBs in September, one in 14 straight up, two in 13 against the spread. So th- th- this has been something that uh, I think lowering the bar and having more rookie starters is leading to this kind of performance early, is my sense. Well, who's better, New Orleans or Atlanta? I think New Orleans a little bit. I think so, too. But by a point? That's the most, I think. Well, they were a full game in the win total. Is that right, in the win yeah. total? Yeah, it was 8.5 to 9.5. Is nine point three to eight point seven. Right, Falcons reduced to. All right, so so we're saying about a point then. Okay, Okay. so where I'm getting in in a little bit. So where I'm getting to with value. So so we had Carolina at Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and they're catching three and a half. Now they're playing a comparable team, but now they're home and they're catching three. No, I agree with that. That Atlanta got. I I think the reason I like Fez here, and I wouldn't, I didn't play it, but I lean that way, is because. The narrative of the preseason has affected Carolina, and it affected Pittsburgh. That was the two teams the people let the preseason change their mind. That Pittsburgh's over now. Pittsburgh no, was great, and Young and Carolina was terrible. And now Young and Carolina play a game that Kevin Cole says they should have won. His adjusted score had Carolina winning the game. At Atlanta. At Atlanta. So, to me... We can agree with that or not, but that, that proves how tight that game was. You what did our what did our uh, fourth quarter win share say? Now remember, the fourth quarter win share is is saying based upon the reality of the scoreboard, what's the chance of winning from here on? Which we really is, want to look at what our projected final score is. Which is different about is, luck yeah. adjustments okay. and that. So Mackenzie, what do we got with the pregame EPA adjustments? What, how does that come out? We had a twenty-one fifteen Falcons. Okay, that's interesting. So uh, you lose by six on the road, you should lose by two at home. Yeah, I think you're right, but I also think that that if you like if you like the Saints, generally this is a spot you figure they they redeem themselves from last week, even though they won. You know, I see both sides. But, but of this. the Saints what? won, so they're one and zero. So I got the zero and one versus one and zero trend situation. And again, we'll dig into that in a second. Let's let AJ. What jump didn't in. you like about Derek Carr? You said that you you were underwhelmed with his performance. Well, my buddy Jared was watching the game, and he and he texted me five times. Mf for making lunch. Mf for. <laughs> It's I'm, I'm I'm watching the network games because the stupid I have to sign on to YouTube and I have to like change my like network provider to like watch the game in 60 second latency. So he kept texting me how how bad Derek Carr was playing. He was watching this game. Okay, I disagree with your friend Jared. Then. Well, I, I, I thought De- I thought Derek Carr was just fine and threw for 300 yards. Yeah, and he he threw one interception. But if, I mean, where where did he fit on the uh, the the scale? Twelve and a half. If if you had said D- Derek Carr was going to be the twelfth best quarterback this the, in week one, I think most people would have said, "Yeah, sounds about right." Right. So I mean, he has a betting partner he trusts. I think the numbers tend to agree with you. I've heard people say, given the givens, he, they don't think he played a great game. But you know, 
somewhere in this range, I think, 12 to 16. Yeah. But I, I also think that New Orleans defense is very, very good. They they made Ryan Tannehill look like he'd never played football before. You talk about a, a brain injury. Ryan Tannehill looked – he may have been worse than Josh Allen last week because he, he had all the turnovers without any of the good throws. They so, still almost won. It, oh, well, yeah. But, again – Tennessee's a lot better than Carolina is. I would I would question right now severely how good the Saints D is because that's the story from the past. But I think it could be Tennessee's bad. Well, they held Derrick Henry to sixty three yards. But how many how many rushes did he have? Because the fifteen. Big, so fifteen four yards. Carry. You know what's interesting is, is, is that I don't disagree. That's good. I don't disagree. I mean, that's good for the D. I think mm-hmm. I don't disagree that Tennessee's better than Carolina. But you said they're a lot better. Well, going in, then we should have made our biggest bets of our lifetime on so Carolina a, under seven and a half for their season win. So give us the season wins. Seven and a half for both of them. All right. So why why would one team be better than the other? Exactly. But you just admitted that it was. So I mean, do you believe oh, that? Oh, just because I downgraded, I, I did downgrade Carolina so based you, upon their so game. So what you're and, saying is you think they were even entering the year and a tiny uptick for Tennessee and and a downgrade and a, a small a downgrade for Carolina. So Tennessee, I had them roughly equal now. Yeah. All right, so here's my question. This is the perfect time. I'm a believer, and I might be the only guy that makes a living in in doing this kind of thing that believes this, but I think it's true. There is a Santa Claus. No, is the fact the fact of the matter is, I believe that that correlated parlays make sense in week two. Okay. That what you do is you say, okay, let's look at the question. Ah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at the question we have here. Is it that Tennessee is bad and the Saints are bad? And though we think the Saints are good, the fact that Tennessee covered, we like, oh man, they, they almost won in New, you know, in New Orleans. Or is it the opposite? But whatever one you think, if you think they're both good and it was a, a tough defensive battle, then you look to play on both of them in a part in a two-teamer this week. Because the theory is, imagine if I not even looking at when the games go, but if the Saints win. You know, let's just ask ourselves that simple question. If the Saints beat Carolina by 21 uh, uh, before Tennessee plays. It's a Monday night game. The Saints are Monday It doesn't night. matter. I just said oh, it, 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 I could I know, care, I could care less good, about the order. But it's going to matter. We'll talk about that. Well, go ahead. Explain why. No, you go ahead. You no, no, I, I, please. Because the only reason by correlated parlay is that the games are simultaneously. If they're not simultaneously, we can actually watch, sit back, and make sure that the first leg of the parlay bears out. Mm-hmm. And then the second game, well, the line won't move on it because no one will recognize what you already have seen. So if indeed you're playing to fade both teams that played each other and the one team stinks, we can wait and confirm it and then bet the second leg of the parlay. I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, obviously you're unsure. I mean, if you knew for sure which was right, you wouldn't need correlate parlay. Right. You have everything figured out. But in general, I think, and, and it's, it's a good point. Um, I mean, I think the market. I think if a team, if it if it starts to be a real statement, I think you'd want to make the pick, you know, make the bet in At the half the, time, in the middle yeah, of the game third quarter. But it won't. It, it it'll be. It's subtle enough. It's not going to happen probably until you know a good hour after the game goes fine. Yeah. So it's so same concept, but one game affects your opinion of the other team. And, and I love the theory. I 100% agree directly with exactly what you're doing. So I'm interested to see which of these, in my correlated parlay over under of the decade, <laughs> has that concept built into it. Um, 
what what which of these matchups from last week do you think have the biggest correlation related with them? Where it was just a sh- I mean, I, I would make the case the Raiders and Denver, right? Either both of those teams are bad or both of those teams are good, or it could be in between. But if both of those teams are good, that means that Denver's better than maybe the Mar- if, if You know, I don't know what time these games start. It's not right in front of me. But um, if the Raiders play a close one against the Bills, you have to like Denver a, yeah. a little bit more, right? And I'm not saying that you build these just to build them. I'm saying if you are interested in these games – Maybe even you say, you know what, if both these teams are good, I don't want to fade one of them. As long as they're not, I'm fine. Well, you watch the first game and you say, okay, they're not kicking butt. I'm okay fading this other team. I think it's all a little quarter point, half points here. I think especially on these teams that we have the greatest uncertainty with. Mm-hmm. So, example, Arizona. San Fran Pittsburgh is a good example, I think. Yeah. Um... If San Fran ends up laying an egg this week. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh looks horrible. I, 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 that's a great point. Like when you got these these big disparities, and also I don't know how good Arizona is and or how good Washington is. All right, both great one. So if we see one of these two teams sucking, then um, oh my god, imagine imagine if Arizona just just gets annihilated. If they were the first team to play, then we'd be like Washington's no good. I agree. I was going to say the Lions and the Chiefs. If the Lions lay an egg at home against the Seahawks. Then you gotta love the Jaguars at home against the Chiefs. See, now that's interesting because I would make the case the Kelsey thing so did, so hurt. All right. Well, then Kelsey. if the Lions look great against the Seahawks, yeah, I, then I, you I, like then you love the Chiefs against the Jaguars, or at least it increases your yeah. interest. In, I agree with that. Those yeah. do go at the same time. You, you know, I, yeah, what, yeah. What's interesting? I love I love this concept for the NFL, but it's actually I think it might even be better for college football, especially with this whole transfer portal and everything. So that like you see a team that you have no idea how good they are, like Colorado. Um, like let's say Colorado State's upset in Colorado, then we're like, wow, Nebraska's terrible, right? This is this is the same concept. I agree. This is the same concept as during the NCAA basketball tournament when we start to try to get a feel of, of conferences. Saying exactly yeah. right is that tells you what the record and results mean as you see what that other teams in the conference do. Mackenzie, you got a good point here. Why don't you lay it out? Yeah, so only thirty-three points scored in Broncos versus Raiders, but on a per play per drive basis. Both were good. That's why their QBRs were good. Garoppolo and Wilson, uh, they only had six drives each. So 16 points in six drives is actually better than league average. Yeah, that's a great point. It's strong stuff. Okay, so you guys disagree on this one. Any closing thoughts? All right, why don't you take over from here, AJ? What's next? Uh, Let's go to Fez's four-weight, which is on the Chargers-Titans game. Yeah, so I see this as an ultimate free roll. I've got this line at 2.75. And it's three. That's pretty razor thin. But yeah, I hope that's not. Is that his four star? I hope that's not your rationale on your on your four way. <laughs> it's my. It's it's it, it's a free roll, and it's the health of the Chargers. So already we talked about how fragile the Chargers are. Eckler's banged up, bad ankle. Williams has a concussion. So two of their key playmakers already um, at not at a hundred percent health. And we talked about. Certain teams that are extremely fragile, the Chargers, Miami, and if they start getting injuries, why are the Chargers fragile? They have some of the deepest playmakers in the league. They just drafted a number one. Like they have like seven receivers. Yeah, Quinn seems. Johnson. They just drafted. Yeah, Eckler's a stud at running back, and okay. they got the two good wide receivers. And I and, and when Keenan Allen or Williams has been hurt, that the, the whole offense is completely done much worse. Historically. Oh wait, so we won't be able to judge Herbert now. 
I'm serious. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's the excuse that some would give. I mean, because it seems like the, the, all the only when there's a lunar eclipse could we possibly judge Herbert. I don't know, Fez. I don't. It doesn't feel right what you're saying here. Well, I already made it 2.75, so I'm already getting some value. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's mm-hmm. already a 52 and a half percent play, and there's a free roll on top of yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I see. And I it's see. bad travel. You what know, about, the West Coast team going east for the early start time. But we're pretty sure that's built in, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm using my power ratings. My power ratings saying it, say it isn't. Well, that means that you have a disagreement in the power rankings. It doesn't say it's not built in. It might, you just might have a bigger disagreement than you think. True. Right. Um, We made a bet against Tennessee, right? Yes, we played Tennessee. So think about it. We played Tennessee under seven and a half wins. All right. So this week you're playing on Tennessee and against them. Explain the difference. Yeah, because Tennessee opened up as seven and a half win. They lose week one, and they and the and, and they should have won that game like point four of the time. Mm-hmm. And now the odds makers kept them at seven and a half. Um, now the vig got flipped to the under. So it was about a forty cent adjustment in vig, which is less than half a game. And they lost half a game because they lost the game because they effectively were supposed to win, like you said, like point four percent of the time. Yeah, and I did lower them half a point in my power rating as well because and I can't help more. Yeah, and I think I was conservative. I think some people lowered a full point. That's probably why the spread got you know, to, to where it's at. So frankly, I'm like I'm, I'm hitting a point where. Um, I don't think Tennessee's going to win eight games, but you know what? If Tennessee was, they've already got a loss, all right? If they're a 500 team, they shouldn't be catching three against a Charger team on the road. Yeah, here's where I think we're getting a double bang for a buck fading Tannehill. There's a chance that he's just this bad at this point. And if oh, so, yeah. it's going to be a multiple point adjustment, and, and our bet looks great. But there's a chance he's only about half as bad as he seemed. Right? I don't, he hasn't played really well for a while. I mean, I would say that game against Cincinnati where he had, what, three interceptions? That, their number one seed. It was like yeah. the last time he's been, you know, he's never really recovered, at least it seems, from that. I agree. I've got him my 21st rated quarterback, two points worse than average, and he was flirting with the top 10 that year. Right now he was 30th this first week in our metric. The only quarterbacks worse, Bryce Young, Daniel Jones, and Aaron Rodgers, who again had a horrible score for the couple of plays. Okay. But here's the second piece. If he's just half as bad, at a certain point he gets replaced. They got two talented or, in theory, pedigreed quarterbackups. And you know what? Just like I said to you, AJ, with Houston using Davis, um, what's his Mills. name? Mills. Yeah, Davis Mills. Is Hey, it was a free roll, right? They're, they they don't mind being bad a couple years ago. Lottery ticket. Let's see, drafted, what was he, a third, fourth round? Let's see what he does, yep. right? Well, if Tannehill, is, this is the last year of his contract. He, I mean, I, the odds of him being with Tennessee next year are slim. They're yep. none. At a certain point, if they can't win, if they can win, they're going to play. I, I said on SOV after this game, if, if your quarterback is going to play like a rookie – why not play the rookie? <laughs> That's a clever way of saying it. That's a clever way of saying it. So, Fez, I think we got the chance of, with the ta- the mar- the market didn't properly adjust for the loss, just the mm-hmm. loss, the season win market. I think the downgrade of a half is point is maybe insufficient. I think likely insufficient by some range. And then I think if we're right about that, him getting sat with backups that are I think are going to be a disaster initially at least. 
I think it's a great. I mean, it's yeah, they're going to be the, the back. Of course, would be a minus four and a half. So it'd be a two and a half point downgrade from Tannehill, who I have at a minus two. And like you said, maybe he's a minus three now. You know, it's still even worse. But in this game, all that stuff. The only thing that matters is Tannehill this week, and you're not so. You don't feel like that's so grievous that. You can't play him. Yeah, and I feel all the pressures on the Chargers. The season's already Chargers going to be charging. You know they um, they they do things to lose games. It happened last week. There's a ton of pressure on this team, and I uh, I don't I don't see the Chargers responding well to pressure historically. Yeah, I'd be against you on this, Fez, if it weren't for Mike Vrabel's. The ATS is a dog. What's it, the, what's his record? And we well, remember we talked about it last week, and I there's lots of ways to uh, to present it, but he's now twenty and twenty straight up when he's an underdog. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and it, when they when he's an underdog of three or less, it, it's sixty eight percent ATS. Uh, he he just doesn't he, he doesn't lose in these underdog spots. He's very Tomlin esque. As a dog, where he loses just in the just, long run it, yeah. up to this day, point, he has it. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, when you got a tenacious coach, the kind of guy that is wants to win in the preseason, those are usually the kind of guys you want. Alpha loss, they're motivational, and even if it feels like the sea, Fez would be like, "Well, this season's done. Let's get out the spreadsheet and figure out how to get draft choices." These guys aren't built like that, and I think backing them typically in tough spots is a good thing. Uh, but Herbert quarterbacks for him, so I don't think it, for me it's hard to because you're supposed to win the like you got to win the game to, to cover, cover the three. three. You got to win. Yeah, uh, you're yeah, right. So <laughs> the Chargers historically win about half their games. So. That's about right. That's about <laughs> exactly right. half. Scott, you know, I know you've been having fun with you know kind of taking my side on this, <laughs> but at what point? I mean, are you starting to see what I see? The, the Chargers like it's like there's a lot of excuses. This is the first thing you got to. Mm-hmm. And the second is they don't win a lot of games. I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> but I also see the optimism where AJ's coming from. Really? But numbers don't lie. You know, it's, what's interesting is the San Diego, I still call them San Diego Chargers. Yeah, yeah. The Padres are the carbon copy. The, pa- the, the Padres all year long. Well, you that- know why? Because everyone's just go. oh, the weather's beautiful. <laughs> Let's go down to lunch and eat. Maybe we'll pack a picnic lunch. Look at our run differential. Look at our top Roger four guys picnics. in the order. They're just loaded. That they, they simply have to start winning. Well, they did today, and that's all that's important. This is a hard world, AJ. And if you, everyone goes around with their head in the clouds, I the think, Russians invade, what are we going to do? I think everybody— I think everybody who comes from <laughs> the part of the world that you come from uh-huh. is generally going to have disdain for San Diego. But I would California invade the, the San Diego beaches, and I would not go through Canada and try to go through like Pennsylvania. That'd be a mistake. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> is but you do realize, AJ, for like a decade, I could have moved the whole offices to San Diego, and it would have just taken me making a decision. Like of you course. ordering lunch. So I'm still here in Vegas, the most East Coast, West Coast city. That is unequivocally San true. Francisco more. What they call it? What they we're call it? Little about, Manhattan. We're not talking about pricing wise. They call it. They, they call it Little when's Manhattan. When's the last time? When's the last time you've been to San Francisco? A couple years ago. Did it strike you it was a lot like the East Coast? Well, it's become very woke. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, New York's got some wokeness, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I never would have thought of San Fran in New York. Like, I'm not talking about, like, just, like, Chelsea. I'm talking about, like, Queens. No, I've, well, well, Scott, why don't we ask the New York Scott, guy? Yeah. He yeah. Yeah, I've been to San Francisco. It's not... 
it's well, maybe it's parts of Brooklyn now, but it's not. It's not. It's not New York. Yeah, no. I would agree. Um, though Oakland, maybe. <laughs> what's, the, what's that other what, city? What, what city uh, is the most like New York on the West Coast? On the West Coast, Vegas. Yeah, there is no city like New York, Fez. You have you to pick that. one. Sure, you have to pick one. Vegas, it is. Let's go to Scott for his four weight. We'll go to actual New York. Actually, well, well, we'll go to Arizona. That's where the game is. Uh, But the Giants laying five and a half at Arizona. And, yeah, last week looked ugly. But the game got away from the Giants very quickly. In the opening drive, they looked good. They marched down the field in seven minutes. But the bad snap on the third down. did you upgrade the Giants off that game? No. (laughs) But – the game could have turned out a lot differently. They, the bad snap and then a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. And then the pick six on their next drive just changes everything. So the game, you, you almost just throw it out. It was, it was bad. It's over with. Yeah, but you got to downgrade him, right? Yeah, a tiny bit. Fred, how much did you downgrade him? Point and a half. The max. The standard, yeah. The standard maximum when there's no injuries. So here's what we know about the Giants under Brian Dable is that they learn from their losses. Last season, they were a perfect 7-0 and against the spread following a loss with I a like cover this. margin of 8.1 points. That's the trend of the week so far. They also fall into a couple of other trends that I like. Teams that got beat by 10 points in week one. The following week, they respond 63% ATS in week two All right. since 2012. So let's think about this now. This is good stuff. We know people tend to overreact. By definition, a double-digit loss has meaning. So it's one thing to have. I'd be interested if we look is how does that do against a team that won, right? Because the whole theory is a loser against a winner is is what we're looking at, right? Well, if the loser loses badly, oh, wait. But here, Arizona didn't win. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm talking about the trend. Oh, okay. I'm not – like each of these – see, all the handicaps are interrelated, Right is I'm not just trying to zero. I'm trying to come up with strategies to approach this, not just each game. Um, but when Scott finishes his first pass at this, I, I think it'll be a good time to dig into what I discovered about the uh, loser, winner, etc. off of week one. But why don't you continue? Okay, so I was going to do the, the oh, run on the query okay. here. But I can continue with another trend, and it has to do with teams that get shut out. Because after a shutout since 2012, Teams bounce back 62.3% ATS the following week after being shut out. It's a similar thing. The overreaction to how bad they looked the prior week. The line moves a little bit. People are doubting them, and they wind up covering the number. All right, so McKenzie's got these similar numbers up. So shutouts any week. McKenzie, can you just search for that off of week one? That'd be interesting. Sure. Any week. Since 2012. Now, why do we keep using 12? Because 12 is when the modern era of the NFL began. It was the first full season after the new collective bargaining, or now it's not the new collective bargaining agreement that changed how much practicing you could do, Mm -hmm. which has had major changes in the NFL. And it is 34 and 20 since then when a team is shut out the next week, you play them and you hit 63% of the time. It hasn't had, oh, ooh, ooh, this is not good. So going back to 1990, if you're shut out in week one, in week two, eight and nine minus points against the spread. That's not good. But generally good. Generally good. And minus 0.4 points is small. Yeah, but when you you got something that's the 63%, then it's mine. You You, you know, I actually disagree with one thing Scott said. All right. All right. Even though I think it's all excellent, really good. And you're a good man. Thank you. He was. He was. Saying, and I'm not fat. He was saying 
that the, your arms are enormous. He was saying that the teams get a break with the, in terms of the points that they're getting, the point spread, the market overcorrects. I actually don't think it does. I think the market embraces these teams because they're in such a great situation after sucking so bad that the, the market knows they're going to put oh, so much emphasis. How are they hitting 63%? Because it's a 17-16 game year. You have to pace yourselves. But when you get your, your doors blown off, there's no pacing anymore. The very next week, you got to be all in and put your very best foot forward with your best plays, your best practice, your best all-in effort across the board. Okay, I think both happen. But let's think about this now. Is If we look at... Um, if we go back to 1990, there's 236 games or 236 teams that had a follow-up game after a shutout, mm-hmm. okay? Or 1989. Okay. So do you believe if a team gets shut out, they have a better chance of being a, a below-average team by a smidge, right? By a lot. All right. So do me a favor. Uh, no. I'm get just- shut out? How many times are the Steelers going to get shut out? You know, or, or herbs, or you know, any, or, you know, or, or the Niners. Well, let's do team. this, Mackenzie. Tell me what the line was in the shutout game. So, just say points equals zero for the for the game that you're shut out, and we'll check that line versus the next week line, right? Mm-hmm. And my thought would be, if you get shut out, that means you probably played a tougher team. So that means the line should actually improve some for that team, right? Because the theory is you're playing a weaker team next, right? Yes. Okay. So how much How much do you think? See, that's what's hard about figuring how the market's yeah. adjusting to this. And maybe I'm overreacting to this line, which saw the money poured in on the Giants off the shutout and went up from four to five and a half. So yeah, it but got embraced. Yeah, hundreds of games. I mean, like, yeah. I, but it didn't surprise me. The first thing I thought is like, oh, the pros are going to bet the Giants. See, but you're one of the people in La La Land that think that everyone's sharp now. You think everyone's gotten sharp, but the same stuff works again. I mean, or the same reactions happen again and again, right? Teams, mm-hmm. I mean, like, how many games did we have this week where we said this team looked bad, this team looked good, lines up three, you know, up two yeah. and a half points. Yeah, I I don't think people are saying, oh, now there's an extra value. If that's the case, the value would be fading that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So, um, so Mackenzie, I wanted to know what the average line was, not not so much like, yeah, I don't know how I would have used that. So I give the stat again. So if you lost by 10 week one and the following week, you are 63.4% ATS. Now, if the, your opponent is coming off of a loss – you're 63.9% so little, ATS. A little bit better. If your opponent's coming off of a win, you're 62.9% so, ATS. So right in the range. Yep. No big difference. Okay. So we, I think in I mean, I think one of the longest running trends that wins is off of shutouts. Because there's something about that goose egg that people react to. Yes, the media lambastes you. And that's the 62.3% since 2012. And that goes Teams back to what I'm, what I'm saying. With Every team has a set amount of energy. And it's got to be an all-in week when you when you have like an embarrassing performance. And what's more embarrassing than being shut out? I think there's three factors. You you touch on two, and I think you're going to agree with the third. The other team sometimes takes you a little lax. Sure. Right. And I mean, in this case, they're the underdog. That's interesting, Mackenzie. So can you let's take a look at you shut out and uh, but you're favored the next game. So here's interesting. The uh, Giants are the only the sixth team in the last 34 years to be favored by four or more on the road after being shut yeah, out. It's right there since 2012, four and two ATS. For road favorites. Yeah, I have, yeah. Four, I have four and one ATS, five and zero oh straight up. Okay. Now, if you're more than four? Yeah, four or more, yep. But just being favored, uh, this isn't great. 
So it's uh, it's break-even ATS, but it's down 1.3 points. And that makes sense that this wouldn't be as good, right? Because our whole premise is that maybe your opponent takes you easy for granted, but they're not going to take you for granted. They're like, we're, we're the underdog against these clowns. You know what's funny, though, Steve? Whenever there's a, a humiliating loss, usually the correlation is the more you're, the more competitive you are the next week, the better you are. Because in theory, you get to name your score. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I'm surprised at this, actually. Mm. So this is telling us that, that off of, So actually, what we're saying is, if we just said prior was points, prior points is zero, and you're an underdog, is going to be what? And this is going to be a monster. Now this yeah. is, this is since uh, 1989, right? All right. So yes, that was 59 percent for that, and 70 percent since 2012. Yeah. For, so if you're a dog off a shutout, 28 and 12. Let's yeah. keep an eye on the next shutout. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I loved your trend. The Dable on, trend? On post-loss. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. Seven and coach. 0 last year. And the cover margin, 8.1 points. So does any no one went against him here, right? No. And I also think that people were – I mean, obviously, the, the Giants data point last week was the most embarrassing anyone had all week. Everyone, everyone was talking about it. Well, Pittsburgh was up there. But then Arizona covered, except – Arizona played terribly in that game, and, and what's your assessment of that? They scored their offense scored nine points in that game. The only reason it was close is because Sam Howell literally dropped the football, and a Cardinal fell on it in the end zone. Like that's how they that's how that's how they end scored the, their end only the, touchdown. End of the first half, they got to pick the defensive touchdown. I, I mean, this the offense could not move, and Washington. I mean, Washington's defense is okay, but Washington's not a good team. So, I mean, the, the cover it just feels like. Yeah, they covered, but I'm I feel nothing good about Arizona even covering. Nothing good offensively. The offense was And Arizona has no home field advantage. There's probably going to be more Giants fans there in that stadium. Uh since 2018, they're 40% ATS at home. They they don't have a, an advantage there. So one last thing on this game. So as a guy who follows, you know, the NFC East kind of closely, Scott, give me some insight here. My understanding is that the DC from Philly, that's now the head coach, right? At Arizona. Jonathan Gannon. Oh, Gannon. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Steigen with the Colt. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that their defense is very passive. That typically it was let them catch in front of you, tackle. We don't blitz much because we because they had a great D line. From what I heard, and I didn't watch this game. Faz, you probably were watching some of it with your three survivors up, right? The Arizona game. Uh, no, it's the opposite. I, I, you were cleaning the bedroom. I was watching other games. <laughs> so you were, you had all three survivors. You weren't even glancing at it. I, I follow along. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, supposedly the defense was being like. Like it was like they, it was kids got into the sugar and caffeine that they were like not in a good way, but being very undisciplined, mm. running past their lane. Did anyone else get a sense that this team did not play like a typical defense or like the Eagles did? I'm not talking about the quality of play. I'm talking about the lack of passivity or the opposite, the aggressiveness, which I think is a bad sign. 
If, if somehow they're thinking, hey, we're going to be horrible, let's look like we're trying hard mm-hmm. or something, I think it's a bad sign. What was your sense of that? The best thing I can say about Arizona's defense in that game is they did rush the quarterback. a lot. Like, they got after the quarter. He, I, he, they sacked Hal six times. Which, if you're a bad team, you don't want a super aggressive bat. Like, in a weird way, that's how you get blown out yeah. against a de- mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's how you have it. Maybe this is some advanced game theory. He's figuring the only way we win anything is high randomness. Mm-hmm. Let's blitz. And if that's the case, I think, I mean, maybe that's interesting, right? Because, I mean, it seems like laying the points will be a good thing. And if you like the dog, look at maybe the money line, you know, in given spots. But I, whenever I hear a coach is one way, and now you're in a tank year, and all of a sudden there's a way they're playing that's different, but it looks better. Wow, that seems like a way to mask what you're really trying to do, right? Which is yeah. lose. I, it, even though they covered last week, I'm less inclined to play Arizona, though I think their offense is going to be okay. I think their D is a big problem. I'd be looking. What do you think? Oh, about I think John? their quarterback's going to be okay. I don't think their offense is going to yeah. be okay. Hmm. Yeah. What do you, yeah, good point. Good point. What, what do you think? And let's be honest, Dobbs was supposed to be the backup for the Browns, but they had a draft choice to beat him out. So. But I'm going to look to go over team total on teams playing Arizona. I think that's the real weakness. Do do you like what matchup? Do you like here more the, the Giants offense against their D or the flip it? Do you have I any would, preference? No, I think both units are going to dominate. Uh, I, I think I would go. I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a big game. I watched the way Brian Robinson ran last week for for Washington. I think Saquon's going to be able to run all over this Arizona team. So I would look for any Barkley props, actually. All right, so Giants is the pick from Scott. What's up next? Uh, we will go to RJ's three-weight. Okay. My three-weight, this is a surprise, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, now, this is the perfect time to talk about the wins and the losses. So this is what I looked at. I said, let's get kind of extreme. I want to say... From two, uh, I want to say you lost the game, you didn't cover, and the other team in their game won and covered. So the the, the four things go, you know, heads, heads, mm-hmm. tails, tails. Just in general, playing those teams in week two, this is week one into week two, 31 and 20 against the spread. The, playing the loser. Playing the loser. That looks pretty good. But when you dig in, it, it's a real surprise. All right, so I thought I found three things that, that, that skewed these odds a little bit. One, are you favored this week? Okay. And the teams that are favored this week, 12, 6, and 1 against the spread, plus 4.4 points. Okay. So if you really think about it, the 31 and 20 is plus one point only. So you gain a ton. By saying you got to be favored, and the underdogs are actually only eighteen and fourteen, but they're minus one point three points. So let me ask you, yeah, because you 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 pioneered this. The time to play a favorite is when they're fully motivated because they look ahead. You're like, ah, oh, this is a W. But when you have a team that's in this bad situation, more likely that they're all buttoned up and ready to go. It's like Agreed? I agree, hundred percent. You know how we know that that's the case. 
that at least half the value of any underdog is the favorite overlooking them. Look at the playoffs. Look how much better the mm-hmm. even even five thirty eight, which is so slow to move anything in their model, they give a twenty percent advantage to the favorite in a playoff games because there's not any chance of them being flat. Mm. So I think if you're can you know if you're Kansas City, could you be flat? Oh. I mean, let's look at the teams that, that meet this criteria. Kansas City is favored. Cincinnati is favored. And the Bills are favored. So this is something that would back the Bills, which is the Bills lost against the spread. They lost straight up. And uh, the Raiders won against the spread and won straight up. So it's yes to the Bills, Cincinnati, and Kansas City in that case. Okay. Interesting. The second category is, did you lose by 14 or more? That's bad. Because week one, if it's a disaster, it can be like you're just bad, right? It's not there's an overreaction. Mm -hmm. It's you're just bad. So if you lost by 14 or more, you're six and seven in these minus 5.3 points. So five points a game negative with something generically plus one. And obviously the flip side is, you know, um, let me see. I didn't write the other side down, but as you could guess, it's mighty good if you're plus one. 25 and 13. Oh well, thank you, thank you, excellent. And what was a yard? What's the points per game? Plus three point two. All right, so minus five plus three, and the teams that meet this criteria, the teams that uh, didn't lose by fourteen: New England, Kansas City, the Bills, and Minnesota. So Minnesota is one of the four here. Then finally, and this is the last one. This is fascinating. Was your problem in the loss in which you got swept? Your offense. Or your defense, all right? And if the offense was the problem, that's fine. That is able to come back from. Those teams are plus two and a half points per game. If it's a defense you had trouble with, meaning the other team scored a lot more than they should have, it's a negative. So what we got here is you want favorites that didn't get blown out, that had trouble on offense, not defense. And Sounds like Kansas City. Right? Yeah. Now – I, I put these together. The favor by itself, like we said, is 4.4. So I put that in its own category. But then if you combine, you didn't get blown out, and the problem was the offense, those teams are 13-6, and six, or check that, 15-6, and six, up five points a game. I'm, I'm on board. I'm liking this more and more. One more question for you. Yeah. Andy Reid off a of bye. Absolutely dynamite. Is this kind of a buy? Oh, he's done. I mean, if you go back and and, and just do since 12, let's do since he became with the uh, Chiefs, he became their coach. So that would be what, 17, I think it was? or 2013. It was 13. Wow. Okay, so go from 13 and see how he is with less than 13 days rest, but more than eight. Hmm. And, you know, we'll see. Yep. Well, since 2018, the Kansas City Chiefs are 13-3 and three after a loss. Outscoring opponents by 12 points per game. Okay, I like that. That adds <laughs> up too. Uh, now it looks like off the 10 pointer, he hasn't, or, or a 10 day rest, he hasn't done as well. So that's interesting. But boy, I like that. the best coach is Belich off a loss. Got to love that too. Um, the other ones that actually, just for the future consideration here, the other ones that have uh, a triple. So here's the record of the teams. I'll just say it real quick Minnesota's two to one to the good. All right, so their consideration. Bills are three and zero to the good here. So, again, there's five picks a week. The rate. I mean, I I didn't want to fade that. Since he's two to one to the good, Seattle's one to the good, two to the bad in this. So Seattle's not one to look at. The Bears are zero and three. The Bears have none of. So the Bears literally 
are not favored. They got beat by more than 14, and the trouble was their D. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And uh, Kansas City's uh, 3-0, and them and the Bills. And then these two are actually 1-2. and two. New England 1-2, and two, Pittsburgh 1-2. and two. So of those criteria. So on this system, it's Kansas City and Buffalo. I like KC. Love it off a loss additionally. And finally, where are cluster injuries that matter the most? O-line. The Jags, the Jags could have lost easily against the Colts. And their O-line, I think they've gotten banged up even a little bit more. They lost another lineman. So to me, at a certain point, you don't have enough linemen. Mm-hmm. you got the great D-tackle coming back. I, think I, mean, I don't like that it went to three and a half, but I like it. I like that the, last year in the playoffs, Mahomes threw for two touchdowns and had a, a, a 79 QBR on a game where he literally was on one leg the entire game, like hobbling on and off the field, and they still handled this Jags team. Like I just think the the Jags are a, the the Chiefs at full strength. Like with with Chris Jones back in there, presumably with Travis Kelsey back in there, the Chiefs the Chiefs should and I think motivated they should call their number here. The Chiefs can't start 0 2. By the way, in my own betting, I prefer laying the 180 money line to the minus three and a half. Now why is that? Because they're both going to cost you twenty cents essentially. You lay minus three and a half, lay a dollar ten is like laying minus three, lay a dollar thirty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the money line on minus three is minus one sixty. So I'm paying an extra twenty cents on the money line to get to minus where I'm paying minus one eighty. But that twenty cents is not as big a deal because if I was already laying minus one sixty and now I'm laying minus one eighty, that's mathematically less of a big deal than you know having to go ahead and play, pay an extra twenty cents on the spread. Is that because you only pay the cents if you lose against a minus one eighty favorite? You lose a lot less often than yes. on the spread. So yes. this would be the same rationale as why in baseball they have break points. And at 80, it becomes 65, or it used to, or whatever. Yes. Okay. All right. So just to review what he's saying is that as the—that's why in boxing or whatever, if it's minus 700, it might be plus 450 coming back, mm-hmm. right? So each cent in your straddle becomes less important. Now, when the, when, when the money line breaks, breaks two and starts being more than the 20 cents, then— who knows, right? You exactly gotta... right. So that's why this is a unique situation where it's as usually... high as you're going to get with the 20 cents drop. Right, because once they go to like minus 190, it's going to be plus 160. But at like the minus 180, it's usually plus 160. So let's be clear then. It's not so much you want to lay the 180. You want to lay the 180 with a 20 cent straddle, or you want to lay the best number you can find. But if you get the 80 60, you got a better bet than three and a half minus 110. Uh, even if it's minus 180 plus 150, I'll still lay the 180. Yeah, because that doesn't change. That doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Because they because the reality is that won't be there probably if it's a 30 cent straddle. It's going to be the high side of the market. But it only really matters what you're laying. Yes, that's a good point. Um, but I, I think it'd be almost impossible for there to be a 30 cent straddle and it'd be the cheapest price on the favor, too, right? Yeah, I agree. Because they'd have the worst by far on the dog. Right. All right, excellent. Um, next one. Let's go to my three way. And RJ, you said earlier that sometimes the best bets are the hardest ones to make. Mm-hmm. And this one was not easy for me to make. I'll go with the Seahawks plus five and a half at Detroit. And they collapsed in the second half last well, week. I'm fascinated by this. This does not seem like one of your picks. So I want to hear this. Okay. Uh, their offensive line issues are bad. Both their tackles are going to be out. The middle of the line is where the Seahawks had the most problem, though, because Aaron Donald was just a, a wrecking crew. He looked like, you know, 2015 Aaron Donald just dominating this football game. But I can't take a lot from it because McVay just, like, he owns – 
the Seahawks. Like, it, it, so it's not a surprise that the Seahawks underperformed against the Rams. The Lions, you have to be thinking that we're buying them high here. They are coming off the biggest win in their franchise history in the last, what, 10 years? Maybe more than that? Like, there has never been more optimism about the Lions than there is today. So we don't need to guess, right? The look ahead line in this game was three. three. We had an extreme case where Detroit looked good, though they didn't play great. The win in Kansas City looks great. And Seattle looked horrible. And thus we've moved from three up to 5.7, at least in our tracker. You're, so you're taking a little short of the number here, yep. which tells me Cornegay's saying he expects some Seattle money coming. Mm-hmm. So AJ's at the tip of the spear of the sharp money, is what we're saying. <laughs> That's the positive way to look yeah, at it, I guess. I think it's actually true. Uh, but the Lions, the Lions only put up 14 points. And this, this Lions, with their offense, they got the pick six, but this Lions offense, it's supposed to be elite against Kansas City's defense without their best player, only put up 14 points on offense. Uh, like I think that the the, the look ahead was about right. The lines are slightly better, and they have home field. Even if you give two points for the the cluster O line injuries, I think this still comes up short of the number. So I, I'm going to go Seattle plus five and a half. It's a gut. I mean, this is like this is alligator. But see, this is a pig you wouldn't have made in the contest. That's the problem. You want to find these picks. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I'm scared of this. One. I think <laughs> I, I don't think I agree with the power rating. I, I think the power. So what's your number? Say? Five and a half. But I agree. But what adjustment are you making for the injuries? The for, I, for the for the Seattle injuries. Yeah, I, I lowered Seattle two points. So five and a half neutral. Yeah, you right. Got, you got to find a way to get those separated. I out. I understand. So one and a half for performance, another half for 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 injuries. Remember, well, these, half isn't right for injuries. Well, these guys were hurt like going into week one though. So that was in my Seattle power rating week last week well, as the, well. The, the, first of all, I'm not sure. Were they even on the injury report? Oh yeah, I thought so. The, I might. I don't. Wrong? I'm, not, I don't I'm, I'm almost sure. You want to look, Mackenzie? Um, but. Regardless, being on an injury report with a question we're practicing on Wednesday is very different than one no being doubt. out for four weeks and one likely to not play. But okay, no doubt. But the situational spot is phenomenal. You got we got one team, Seattle, that just like completely got embarrassed as a favorite, and we got a team, Detroit, like that's still celebrating beating the Super Bowl champions. I think the market knows Seattle's in a great spot here. They do. I mean, do you see how absurd that is? No, the the sharp betters do. Well, yeah, but that's not who moves the NFL you, lines the you, most. You're, come you're, Sunday, you're, right? you're, you're right that the public and the public's going to remember that standalone game where it would not surprise me if we don't see Detroit money, you know, write a post from the public who remembers. Uh, remember they and, and everybody back Detroit in in week one against in in the first game against Kansas City. So well, which, objects in motion, teams in motion, money wise tend to remain in motion. Has been my experience early in the year. No, I agree with that. If you if you do something and you get rewarded for it, you, you want to do it again. Uh, you probably do it again. I think. Yeah. Think uh, there's some kind of um, you know Jungian or Jungian or some theories to that behavior modification stuff. All right. Um, I'm I'm really down on Seattle. One, when you spend a whole off season like cultivating the garden just to have that great CLV, and then in one game it get, gets destroyed. That's half the reason I almost wanted to play the Rams last week just to have a hedge against it. But okay, um, here's what really bothers me. Seattle was no good after the Germany trip. I was hoping it was the trip because either was Tampa. But the the problems that were exposed in game one 
were the same problems they had at the end of last season. So to me, that's very discouraging. The only thing that can make me think otherwise is what AJ said. I think he was right on. It could be that matchup was so bad. Mm-hmm. In the a- NFC West, There, we're going to see it here with San Fran and the Rams. There's some clear trend lines, and it was not pro-Seattle last week. Now it's anti-Ram this week. So um, if that was the cause of this, and then they get past the injuries, really what's changed? It, that's where what's I'm at. Changed? And the, th- <laughs> the three games... Last week that I thought were bad matchups, the Rams-Seahawks was one, the Jets-Bills was one. Are you going to tell us about more picks you didn't make? Well, the the Jets Bills, the Ram the Rams Seahawks, and the uh, the Giants game, like the Giants Cowboys. The mm-hmm. Cowboys have historically owned this Giants team. So, how many of those were picks of yours? One. All right, all right. But I I do think that this is uh, the Seattle Seattle's not as bad as the Rams made them look because the Rams always make Seattle look bad, and the Rams won't be as bad as as San Francisco will make them look because San Francisco always makes the Rams look bad. So, are you playing San Fran? I am not. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right, it can't be that big of a factor then, right? Uh, I mean, how big of a factor could it be if it doesn't give you one of your five side picks? I mean, it, I feel like it's starting to be baked in. They're eight-point favorites. The Rams are coming off a good performance. They're 9-3 and three ATS in the uh, well, show. 10-2 ATS. Fez the show, has a pick on that game, so we'll get to it for sure. Any other thoughts on this one, guys? What do you, so where do you lean on this one, Fez? No, got nothing. Nothing. All right. What's up next? That would be Scott's three-weight is done, so we will go to— So uh, repeat it? So give it a pick? Uh, Scott's three-weight was Miami. the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go to Fez's, Fez's two-weight, mm-hmm. which will be the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Yeah, and I'm on the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two. Pure contrarian here. Uh, Cleveland, no team looked as good as Cleveland, other than maybe Dallas. Um and no team looked as bad as Pittsburgh other than the Giants. So it's giving me clear line value where Pittsburgh, instead of being the favorite, is now catching two points in this game. And it's too much to pass up that, I mean, I is Cleveland better than Pittsburgh? A little bit. The spot's phenomenal now for Pittsburgh. So we, Tomlin, think, we think they're better now? We, we, we thought they were better before, but it was real close. We thought Cleveland was a half what was point the better. Win, what was the win totals coming in this season? Pittsburgh was nine, mm-hmm. and Cleveland was 9.3. Okay, okay. All right, so now Cleveland – so these teams were, were perceived to be almost the same, mm-hmm. and now Cleveland's perceived to be not just better, but better enough that in a bad spot for them, they're the team with the win, playing the team well off the loss, on the road in Pittsburgh, and Cleveland's laying two. It's just a bridge too far for me to get. I think Tomlin's the type of coach – this is exactly the type of spot I want to go ahead and back him. Uh, massively motivated. You saw his post-game press conference talking about how terrible the coaching and the oh, entire geez. team was. They could record that. It's the it's same effective. Crap. It's it a, works. I don't know. I don't know. No, RJ, you and I are both on. Yeah, we got a triple well. like on this one. Uh, Fez has a two, and Scott, you've got a one. I've got a one, which is mm-hmm. our lowest weight. Why don't you make your case? The Browns have lost 19 straight regular season games in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I'm not going against that trend. Now they did win the wild card. Just like card the Bears in Green Bay. Oh wait, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. did win. They did win the wild card game in 2021, though. So mm-hmm. there was a playoff game. But uh, Cleveland against divisional opponents, not a great 
history. Um, and, and I well, just, they, you can say Cleveland, yeah, not a great history. Not a great history. And yeah. I think in general, Cleveland, that if you watch, and I did watch this game the whole way, that was all about Burrow and the Bengals. Just he couldn't move. It, it, the Bengals were just inept for whatever reason. They weren't ready to go with no preseason with Burrow. I, Cleveland's offense was not good. Watson was not good. I think I agree okay. with that. I, I thought Watson was fine, but I, I think that really? the Cleveland's defense was phenomenal. They're, they're, Cleveland's D-line might be the best in the NFL. And I, I get it, the Bengals' offensive line is no great shakes, but the Bengal, or the, the Bear, or the, I don't know, the Browns were just, they were in the backfield on every single play. And the Pittsburgh O-line was a pretty big problem against San Francisco. I, I don't know, Watson looked passable to me. Uh, I'm thinking the Browns may just be better than I thought they were. Like I, when RJ was saying the Browns to win the division, I, I, I don't know why I just couldn't get any. I couldn't get my head there because I thought, well, Cincinnati's so good. The Ravens have this high ceiling. I'm starting to see it. Like if if the if Watson is a a top twelve quarterback, the Browns are a real problem in this division. I think so. Watson ended up eleventh. All right. So this is part of my parlay of the decade mm-hmm. and the first piece of that is over Pittsburgh Cleveland so Ooh. I've got a one um, I saw 38 and a half if McKenzie if you can get me the current number on this um, by the way division odds right now McKenzie put up Ravens are the favorite to win the division two to one Browns plus 210 Bengals are third plus 215 look at that and then Steelers seven to one Wow. Um, here's my thesis. And it, and it actually, I'll give the second piece of this. 38 and a half is correct. Uh, here's my thesis. Joe Burrow was injured in a significant way entering that game. And uh, Ben Solak at The Ringer did a great analysis. He said, okay, you could say it was bad. He must have been injured. But he was throwing a half second sooner than he had in similar situations. It was like 2.1 seconds versus 2.6, which is an eternity to these NFL quarterbacks. He was thrown before anyone even got around him whenever he could, even if it was too early, Mm -hmm. right? Now, why do you do that? Burrow's known to be willing to take a hit. He doesn't want a calf. He didn't think he could get away. He he was playing like Tua in a way, right? But Burrow doesn't play like Tua Mm -hmm. typically. And if you look, it was the worst game of his career – and even in spots where he should have been scrambling, like they only went under center twice the entire game. And I'm not sure. Yeah, if, you said that. Yeah. So. so it's a situation where I think part of what makes the Browns D look so good was not only he was injured, but the fact that if you run out of the shotgun, there's only so many plays you can run out. How many running plays can you run out of the shotgun? You, if it, you don't have a running quarterback, you can't run many. So you had a guy that couldn't even take the snap from center and, mm-hmm. and, and go back. You're in a shotgun. That means your run game is so limited. So I think it was so many advantages for the Browns because of that. The premise. Browns defense. The Browns D. I think their D is overrated because of that. I think it's improved. And the weather was bad also. The weather was bad also. Now the second piece of this, as you would guess, is under Baltimore in Cincinnati, because if you're seven weeks into an injury and you're still hobbled, is the eighth week going to be the magic formula? Even if it got half as good, whatever the shortfall was of half disappeared, you still got troubles, 
right? And with Baltimore, and I'll just say this quickly, I they did not do much on offense, even though they covered against Houston. So the correlation, correct me if I'm wrong, Cincinnati only gets 10 points against Baltimore. Unlikely, but Cincinnati underperforms on offense. If Burroughs is unhealthy or mm-hmm. injured, it causes less scoring in the Baltimore game. And it causes Cleveland to be way overrated. Cleveland's defense is overrated. Way overrated. That makes, I like that a lot, actually. That, that that makes complete sense. I have one question for you on this. Yes. Uh, I saw, I didn't catch the, the last end of the box score, but for most of the game, Pittsburgh, I only had nine rushing attempts from their, from their running backs because they got down so much against San Fran. Is there any concern that Tomlin's going to go crazy saying, boy, we didn't get Warren and we didn't get Najee the ball, and he's just going to go run heavy in this game? Yeah, I mean, the theory is if it's competitive, maybe. But the funny thing is, as much as Pittsburgh's known for a running team, they, they, they listen, remember Big Ben was throwing 60 passes when he wasn't any good. I I don't know. I, I, I just don't see Pittsburgh. It feels anachronistic, that idea of the Steelers. It feels like an expired uh, yeah. stereotype. Now, I got a trend here that fits into this, which is pretty wild. All right. How often has it been that there's been a dog at home and then you lose and you don't cover? By definition, if you lose the game, you could still cover because right. you're the dog. All right? So it's you're the dog, you're at home, and you lose against the spread, and then you're the dog at home in week two. That's Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? And that is also New England. Yes. If you think about it. Okay. There's only been 12 of those. In the last 35 years. They've all won. No. Huh. They actually have a negative number. No. By a smidge. Okay. But here's what's interesting. They're over under in those 12 games. Oh. Over by eight point eight and a half points a game. Eight what's, and a half. What's the logic? I don't I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's honesty right there. Yeah. But, I like that. Yeah. I, mean, I it, like you're not making it could something make up, up some bullshit. You're like, nah, well, I could, I could, me. I could piggyback off that. And, 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 you know, we have all these Tomlin stats, like how he does after a loss, how he does as a home underdog. As a home underdog, Tomlin's 15, 5, and 3 straight up. In those games, 15 and 8 to the under. So I wonder if there's some sort of so fifteen five and three straight up yeah and in all those games not just the wins it's, it's fifteen and eight to the under so I wonder if there's this idea that in order to win as an underdog you keep it low scoring and you you muddy the game as you would say yeah that's interesting so but to me off a loss doesn't really matter well forget about the loss just as a home underdog yeah. Mike Tomlin's fifteen five and three oh so that's what it is okay hmm I don't like that and fifteen and eight to the under. Okay, McKenzie's been putting this up. All right, I feel better about this now. So, now, to be clear, Scott's trend was was right. But if you actually look at the over-under margin, it's actually plus .7 in those games. So they scored more more points than expected. It was just some close ones fell the other way. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, the defense does a little bit better, but the offense actually scores about two and a quarter more points a game. So I'm not saying this is positive. It's neutral to me. But you add up the other stuff. I mean, let me ask you, Fez. If I'm right about Burrow, 
odds of him being 100% this week are not great, right? With a calf that... Zero. Yeah, if we're right, right? Because, because the, I mean, the calf injury happened, you know, th- what, three weeks ago? No, it not, was seven weeks it ago. Was, it wasn't really that long ago. Yeah, I mean, because remember, it was at the beginning. You're, you're right, you're right. Because I forget about the, the, the first day of, I think it was the first day of practice. For some reason, I was thinking the first, yeah. like, it was right before preseason, but you're right, yeah. It was like July 20th or something, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. You're we right. Get the exact day. So it's, if it's been six or seven weeks... It's not going to get better for... for or, or if it does, it's not going to get all the way better. Yeah. And if he was as hurt as he seemed, the the whole Browns thing with the weather, it's like, how do you take anything away from that, mm-hmm. right? Real, to, I mean, very much about the D. And so what you got, and plus they match up really well against uh, Cincy for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? They have historically. So to me, this total is 38 and a half. I mean, you don't have totals this low anymore. So, I mean, to me... I love this special. One last thing, and this just shows you the Pittsburgh over Cleveland. This is a shocking stat. You can you can have this one with attribution, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Since 1990, how many seasons have the Browns had more wins than the Steelers? Zero. Correct. What? <laughs> what? Not one time did well, they. Well, there were some years Cleveland didn't have a team. Three. Okay. <laughs> out, out of, and honestly, that, that, was, that, that was their best chance. That, <laughs> yeah. that was their best chance. So think about that. Uh, I mean, I double checked. That's impossible. It. It's true. It's true. Even the season they beat them in the playoffs, Pittsburgh had one and one more win in the regular season, and then the Browns had one more win and it tied. They tied before. They've never been. It's like a Dodgers against Colorado. <laughs> I think even Colorado had a year that. So Fez is telling us his, what he recalls about this. But I wow. like this trend. What do you think? Love it. And I, I don't know what that, I think it's one of those things if you're a Browns person, you're almost wait. If you're even a player, you're waiting for something bad to happen. You know, and I, and I was talking to these guys like um, about how. I think watching the games isn't very good usage of your time, but there are things like this Burrow situation where if you watched it, you're like, he's not close to right. Now, you can, you can, you can discern that from other people that watched it, though, is the key. Too. Yeah, it's funny. I would make the case that the film-watching community has gotten more media space now than they've ever had. and it's, I mean, there's probably eight or ten I can think of people who watch every game that will put up notes on every— so I think you got to look at that stuff. Yes. Um, you know, I've been watching a bunch of Billy Walters interviews, just figuring I can kind of discern some stuff from it, even if he's not saying it explicitly. You know, he's been, apparently he's been back in action like for two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's not at the scale it was, at least what he's saying. But he says currently they've got someone that charts and watches every game. Mm-hmm. So when we talk syndicates, there's a different ranges of syndicates. But like PFF has like 500 people, and and they grade every play, right? Well, effectively, Billy's doing that with his mm-hmm. crew. Now again, I don't think there's 500 people. And are they doing it with this precision? I don't know. PFF is betting nothing on theirs, so I don't know. But but I found that to be very interesting. Yeah. And I believe you should either watch all the games. Or maybe none of the games. Or maybe one team's games. Like, if you see every play from a team, I think you can have a real good idea. I think if you see half the plays, I don't know. It's, isn't, you know, they say there's a phenomenon. If a scout sees a player in a, physically where he's there, he rates that game so Ooh. much higher than what he sees on Yeah, film. I've heard the same. And there's a bias built into that. So, you know, it, it, there's different ideas, but... If you have a choice, have Bill, you know, 
partner up with Billy and you know let him give you the info. <laughs> sure. All right, so I do lean Pittsburgh. It was my last pick. I, it's really Fez's handicap, which is the line move. It, should Pittsburgh be down? I mean, remember now, Haywood, a key defender, is out for multiple weeks. Receiver Johnson is out. So mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has a couple injuries here. And Ogunjobi's been in a walking boot after the game. So he's he was hobbled coming into last week. He was hobbled after the game. So he's not going to be 100%. And when you combine him and Hayward, that's cluster injuries on the line. Well, I like the over. I think, I think that's a good call. <laughs> All right. Next game. Uh, this is a crossfire between Scott and I. Ooh, yeah, about I don't like it so much. Cincinnati Bengals. Vern against Shirley? That's right. Uh, I am on the Baltimore Ravens for my two weight plus three and a half. Scott is on the Cincinnati Bengals minus three and a half. And I, it's like you said, if Joe Burrow wasn't healthy a week ago, there's no way he's 100% in this game. That was probably the worst game Joe Burrow's played as a pro. Uh, the Bengals as a team had 142 yards of offense and six first downs in the entire game. Now they get this Ravens team that Joe Burrow has not exactly torn up. Uh, The Bengals won two out of three against the Ravens last year. Burrow played four games all season where he had a QBR of 35 or below. Three of those four games were against these Baltimore Ravens. And in the last five years, there's some good underdog trends here. The last five years, Ravens 18-3-1 as an underdog. Lamar 5 and 0 ATS as a dog in the last two seasons and I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of injuries Humphrey Dobbins Marcus Williams those injuries are bad for the Ravens I think getting back Mark Andrews instantly makes this offense better that is Lamar's security blanket he needs that guy he was back at practice today uh I I like the Ravens catching three and a half here but you mentioned the injuries, and two of those injuries are offensive linemen that are looking like they're not going to play this weekend, and that's Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Lindbaum. So now you're taking your left tackle and your starting center away from this offense, and I think if that's the case, the Bengals' pass rush is going to have a field day. It, it, Lamar Jackson was sacked four times last week, and those guys were playing. So now you take him out of the game, and I think that it's going to be a big problem. Now maybe it leads to Lamar rushing more. Okay. Well, then maybe we throw out the whole uh, Todd Munkin new offense and we just let Lamar run around and do his thing. So Lamar had two design runs in the game, uh, yeah. which is a sign of them not wanting to mm-hmm. run him. Not wanting to run him, yeah. yeah. And now we take away two offensive linemen, and it's not just that. Safety Marcus Williams is out. Uh, Sounds like Marlon he- Humphrey, the cornerback, is out. Yeah. It just, it's, it's a lot of injuries for a desperate Cincinnati team playing at home that doesn't want to start 0-2, and we got the 0-1, 1-0 trend. I just like, I don't, I wish it was not three and a half. If it was three, it so would let's, be better. Let's, but. Talk, let's talk about this. Why, how can the case be made that this line is three and a half, as? The 0 and 1 desperation. No, God, no, it's not that. It can't be the that. injuries, the, I mean, all the injuries for Baltimore. They've do you got think like the market is moving in any way on an 0 and 1 and 1 and 0. Because, yes, what, then what show me the other lines that are skewed that way. I mean, I, I want to see that. I haven't heard that mentioned. Money came in on Seattle when I'm it was not, six. I'm saying I want to see where the line doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's hard to say Seattle. I think six seemed high, I think five and a half seems right. You know, I, I don't see any spot where it's like, that's a crazy line. Um, 
that that has, if anything, it's a crazy line when there's someone like Miami. It seems like the teams, or, or someone like Cleveland, like what? Where is it in the Cleveland Pittsburgh? It's not at all. You're yeah, right. You're I, right. I don't, You're I, right. I, so I, that can't explain it because it would be happening across the board. Yeah, or at least it would seem like a trend. It strikes me. I think all the injuries on Baltimore stacked. But if Joe Burrow's really hurt, yeah, what's more impactful? The, all those injuries that Baltimore has, or Joe Burrow? Well, I think you nailed it. The betters are saying Burrow's playing, as opposed to well, Burrow's not Burrow. Bur- you know, I have to tell you, I think I like RJ's under the best because I heard AJ say the Bengals' offense is going to suck, and I think I heard Scott say that the Baltimore offense is going to struggle. Mm-hmm. That would seem to put me on the under, right? Yes, Especially it would. when it was f- what we got it at 46 and a half. We gave it out Monday on here. Yeah, it's, it's still 46, 46 and a half. No, I think it's, it's 45. And oh, a half. is it really? Did it go? Well, okay. Mackenzie, what's the market right now? There's 45 and a half and 46 and a half out there. Oh, there's 46 and a half still? Yes. Okay, so yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, no. I mean, again, I. So what I'm doing with it, and then we'll let these guys finish their crossfire. Is I am doing a unit on Balt or under in the Baltimore, a unit on over Pittsburgh, and then a half unit on a parlay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a correlation there. I agree. Right. You made a strong case. Thank you. But no, I agree. Two linemen, and you're starting running back and a center. Whenever I hear the center, that center and left tackle, those are the two yeah. most important linemen. Mm-hmm. Now I understand he's a lefty, so it's a little different. It's not the blind side, but oh, and he's not lefty. But still, uh, I don't know why I'm thinking that. For some no, reason. no, you're he's right. He's not Michael Vick. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I was thinking that. Well, but, no, you're. Oh, no, he's, a, he's yeah, not a lefty. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, your most, two most important linemen, the blind side and the center. That that's that's a huge loss for this team. And then in the secondary, they're going to be banged up. And I think if Joe Burrow is going to look to do anything, it's certainly going to be to attack a weakened secondary. Well, not if you have a weakened leg. <laughs> Get it out quickly. So, Fed, you, what else you got? Anything? Just that I've got these two teams rated equally right now. And since he's laying three and a half. That's what I'm did, saying. Did, did, that's why that, I'm asking why yeah, three and it, a half. Yeah, I, I can't explain why this line is not 2.75 instead of and one three and a half. covered and one. They covered double digits. By the way, for those Team RJ, and we know there's, there's multitudes, is, and Fez, let's be candid, is not... He's not a sympathetic character. You're a character. <laughs> That's my grandfather used to say. He's a character. He didn't mean like was fake. He was like doing things like you would see in a book or something. You know, like he's a character. You are a character, Fast. But <laughs> um, right before kickoff, we told this on the Monday special show. If you missed it, it was strong. It's, I think we're going to really work hard to make it excellent. It comes out Monday night. Or we tape it Monday night. comes out. By crack of dawn on Tuesday, it's what I call the last review of the weekend because everyone else has their reviews out. We take them in, and then we tell you what we think. We synthesize through it all. Um, right at kickoff on Sunday, I started not. <laughs> I started not liking. We had a bet. I took the Ravens minus ten, and it was down to nine and a half in most spots. And I heard Fez earlier in the week say I didn't. Um, I don't like Houston anymore, right? You said I like the Ravens. Later in the week, yeah, later yeah, in the yeah. week, I had flipped and said I actually prefer the Ravens. So I said, "All right, I'll wait until right before the game and see, you know, try to catch him when he's busy," and because <laughs> I didn't like it anymore either. And then I, I, you know, I was thinking of text. I'm thinking, you know, this Ravens game's kicked off. I go, let's see the first drive, and then it's a like third and three for the Ravens, and they get sacked. And I press send. 
Hey Fez, you want to just cancel this bat? And it, Fez is now. What were you doing at the uh, time? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got my green marker identifying who got the opening kickoff on every team, so I know like when I'm wagering, you know <laughs> yeah. that I have a bias towards betting on the team. Obviously, that's going to get the ball in the second half. I see, oh, they just kicked off, and RJ is like, you know what? I I know you like Baltimore, also. We yeah. can just cancel a bet on my. No, like, I didn't say cancel. I said it's your call. Right. But why don't we lower the variance? Right, and I believe I respond back. We well, you know I'm good with whatever. And I I'm good either said, way. I gave no, left it up to you. No bet. And but but that, to be fair, you didn't. You could have even waited another I ten don't, minutes. I wasn't and trying just, to game and you. you just no. immediately said, "Okay, no bet," which made sense. And yes. then at that point, I knew Baltimore was a short thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they're only up one. They only up one and a half. You know, so it was the second half that they they pulled. Yeah, yeah. but the um, that was my only loser on our four and one super contest was That's Houston funny. getting ten. Mm-hmm. Good uh, number. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie five and zero oh, though. I got to give Mackenzie credit five and zero. Oh, his 49ers just thrashed the Steelers. And he has, he's been kind of understated with it all. It's, it's, ca- it's causing me to say things more about it, which is his trick. Right? I wouldn't be like this year one. It's a little, little seasoned. <laughs> all right. What's next? The San Francisco versus L.A. Rams. This is Fezzik's one weight. Yeah, I... I can't explain this line at all. So the look at line was five. San Fran looked tremendous. The Rams looked great. And now the line's eight. I I can't. My power ratings make this. Well, this is, I think this is clear, right? Is the look ahead market is, is not savvy. And 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 I mean, there's savvy batters in it, but they're, they don't get you to a uh, market efficiency. Because the only real way you make the case on San or on San Fran is with the San Fran's record against the Rams, or specifically or Shanahan against McVeigh nine and three. And that could yeah. well that could be that that the market is recognizing that, and I'm not in my power ratings. I'm not waiting. Well, it. How, how would it be in your power ratings? It, it wouldn't be in my power ratings. But even like so, I make the line five and a half. And if I, if I make a line five and a half, so why is it? Why would that? That's your big. If you actually look at the sense worth of six. Six and a half, seven, seven and a half, and half of eight. That's the biggest disparity of the week. Well, let me let me back up a little. I have these teams on a neutral seven and a half. Okay. Okay. So one of the mistakes I'm making is I'm giving the Rams. I, I, I my spreadsheet just gives two for home mm-hmm, field. Mm-hmm. The Rams should get no more. It's there could be a ton of 49er fans, which there always is. There mm-hmm. always are. So instead of seven and a half, there's probably you know they still have to travel. So maybe seven. You know I should make this game, and I'm catching eight. Okay. So that's one mistake that I was thinking about this. It's like, oh, well, I, but that's not you adjusting at all for the Shanahan versus McVeigh. That's record. with no adjustment for the Shanahan. So when on top of that, if so I you make, you kind of do understand the line. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, do. what part confused? Let's start. Well, just, well, yeah, let's yeah, reconstruct do, it now. You're right. So you're what's right. What's your power rating say? My power rating on, on a neutral says seven and a half. Okay. I think it's. I think the most you can give the Rams is a half a point. Because for not, the home field on a key not, number, yeah. Because not well, not even that. Because because let's be honest, it's not only that they're not good at home, and San Fran is. It's San Fran knows they are, so they're coming into it knowing their fans are going to be there. I mean, that, that, I mean, you're, it might be 60, 40, 49ers fans in that building. I think it might be Mackenzie. Maybe. What's your sense? Uh, week eighteen, when we needed to win to make the playoffs in twenty twenty one, it might have been eighty percent. It was. I mean, I don't know if it's like that every time, but it gets like in that. Vegas for the preseason game. And there's only one all year long. It was six. It was 55 percent 49er fans for a preseason game. 
Yeah, but this is the, against the Rams, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm saying it's they just travel. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not just, travel good. Not I, even well. travel. They just have. They're like Pittsburgh. But they I think the San Fran to L.A. Throughout. is a lot of travel too because it's a short trip. Yeah. Now, if you look at the matchup here, ten and three, Shanahan versus McVay. Um, look at the sequence of that because I think the most recent. Uh, I think they split early, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. I screwed this one up because yeah. I did. I just based it on oh, power no, ratings, okay. yeah. and 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 the home field is at most a half, and the and the and, and the prior history has to be a point, and that gets me right to the number eight. So eight covers in a row, eight regular season wins in a row. We couldn't win in the playoffs, though. All right, but l- l- just to be clear, the last eight times they've met, playoffs or regular season, eight 49ers covers 49ers for forty cover. ers Yep. Yeah. All right, this isn't a good pick. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, it's your one. It's but, my but, one. I, hey, listen, it's hard to get five good ones. I mean, that's all there is to it. Now I know why my numbers are so far off. Yes. <laughs> but that, you, I'll be honest with you. No one can know all this stuff. That's why this discussion is important. Yeah. The roundtable, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And it was so far off, I didn't even like go into like I'm like, I probably missed something that was worth the point. But it's still good. Though, you know. What's the points per game here um, if you go from that the last eight? It's funny though. The one time they did lose the game straight up, it was the conference championship. When remember the Ram or the 49ers got dropped the interception at the beginning of the fourth. I don't recall it. Hmm. All right, so um, <laughs> you know we actually I'd never do this, but we took 30 seconds to get this trend, and we <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, Mackenzie, take the last most recent run that's undefeated for Shanahan ATS, and let's look at the points per game. He comes back in like 10 seconds. Um, actually, it's been eight and one the last last nine. I go, okay. And I look at it, it says the first one that's you know listed the furthest back says loser. Then it says winner, 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 winner. Hmm. <laughs> we said <laughs> I said, Kenzie, that's the last game. There's eight straight winners. He goes, Oh, okay. And again, he's been doing a great job. He's, he's a lot of stuff going on. And Fez, who always wants to be there in a facile way for the little man. He says, but it's commendable that he's doing it like that. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, like Joe DiMaggio didn't do that. He should have done it. And it's go, give, give us what you said. It was hilarious. I said, you know, he hit in 56 out of 58, 56 out of 57 games. But you did it like it's a DiMaggio imitation. You go, I've hit 56 out of 57. <laughs> Mackenzie, you've got to laugh at that. It's classic. It's classic. <laughs> Commendable, Fez. It's actually what fifty six out of fifty eight. That was what made. <laughs> that's what made it funny, or part of what made it funny. All right, <clears throat> but he wouldn't be saying that before he didn't hit in the last game. Yeah. So at a certain point, he had hit in fifty six yeah. out of fifty seven. Yes, yes. That's when that interview. Fifty six straight games. That's when that's that when interview asked. happened. Yeah. Right. How have you been batting recently? Oh, fifty six out of fifty seven. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not not perfect. <laughs> All right, so Fez, let's let's do. So what we're saying here is, if you give it a half a point, it's on to seven. Let's call it. All right, maybe. And now the question is, how much is this worth? Uh, eight straight games, or is it seven or eight? Seven straight ATS. Seven straight ATS, and it's against the spread margin, eleven and a half points a game. It's worth a point and a half. So now, you, would you agree with it? Sounds about right. I think something like this is worth more. I, I really? sometimes think things like this are worth five or six points. I know no one would ever say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Look at what happened last week. The McVeigh over Pete Carroll. That's trend. what I'm saying. 
pop that trend up too. I just want to see how because this is an example where it's like it's a triangle. Remember, after listening to play callers, they know each other so well. So some people got each, you know, and you know the other one's obsessed with doing something different. And then the Pittsburgh against Cleveland. Yeah, the losing one. And the, and if that's the case, sometimes they're going to go away from the principle. Who knows, right? It doesn't help. Um. All right, what else we got? That's um, it? Oh, okay. there's one more. I, th- I thought you meant on that game. There's no, one more no. weighted game. It is my one weight, and it's not. We can skip this one. No. <laughs> oh, it's another not fun one. Uh, Chicago plus two and a half at Tampa. And I mean, this is interesting, especially at two and a half. And Dave Esler, by the way, was willing to lay three on Tampa. That's cr- You know what I'm going to do? I'm pressing press the, the button. button on Dave. <laughs> I'll be his surrogate. You're pressing the button against me? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Diamond Day. I go if I get a half a point in Diamond Dave, I'll go against anyone. All right. Well, Guys, have I proven that over the years? Yes. I'm getting a half point. I'm only laying two and a half. He was willing to lay three. Look ahead was Bears minus one and a half. Now we're sitting at Bears plus two and a half. Why? Bears Diamond lost. Dave. Bears <laughs> lost to the Packers. The Bears always lose to the Packers. There's nothing new here. The Bears won a game by, or the, the Bucks won a game by three points. So you, you know what you notice? That was a shot at me. I uh huh. That was a shot. What? At me. Yeah. I don't. Who did the, you like in that game? Green I, Bay, Chicago. My think? best bet was on the Packers. In and we game. all like the Packers a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, almost one, Almost everybody one liked the, the Packers. Balls, only one had the balls to stand alone. <laughs> all right. So, almost everybody liked the so Packers. Four and one. We'll focus on the, on the one. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Go ahead. But the Bucks won a game by three points. It, it, that they won the turnover battle three to nothing. The, the Vikings had 5.9 yards per play. Tampa had 3.6. The Bucks are no better today than they were a week ago. And wow, I agree. So, not, so there's no adjustment. I, I don't think so. That. I agree with really. That. I, and I do think there's an you adjustment down crazy. on the Bears, <laughs> but it just, it feels like it's too much now. The, you, are you saying Baker Mayfield? In no way impressed you that he's better than I suspected he would be in this system. He could have been the biggest disaster in the history of mankind. That he was the eighth highest rated quarterback of the week. The big. What's the biggest question? Of- you know, I actually upgraded Tampa Bay by a half. It's, so you're but not I crazy. did not lower. But I did not lower Minnesota. I didn't say okay. About and I and, and for Minnesota, that very reason, are they playing in this game because the volatility of of the Tampa Bay quarterbacking and how Mayfield would be. Exactly. I felt was worthy to upgrade Tampa, not downgrade Minnesota. So you finally caught up. I agree. It's a maneuver. <laughs> I agree, and I also think the following: we didn't know if this this veteran team would play hard because the reality is this is kind of going to be maybe a tank at some point. Mike Evans, who am I going to, baby? And they now you're one and zero. You're not going to be playing soft when you're one and zero. At least maybe even if you're one and one, I think the motivation here is better. You know what? Let's let Diamond Dave step in. Let's hear what he has to say, and I'll just regurgitate that. Let's listen. I love and bet the Bucks, and I bet the minus three over the Bears. I'm well aware that there will be plenty of naysayers, and they will point to quote unquote misleading box scores. It's too early for that. Yes, the Bucks were outgained and averaged 3.6 yards per play, but they forced two fumbles and an interception and didn't turn it over once, and they had just three penalties for 19 yards, and I've said for a decade, any team that doesn't beat themselves with turnovers and penalties can and will win any game, and on the road, that's what they did. Was the Bears game closer than the score might indicate? So-so, perhaps, but the Bears averaged 4.4 yards per play against the defense less than what they'll see this week in Tampa Bay. 
They turned the ball over twice and were 3 for 13 on third downs, none of which inspires any confidence for me to back them on the road or in the humidity, not when the Bears can't throw the ball. Not against the Bucks defense that held the Vikings to 41 yards rushing. The Bears don't have Justin Jefferson, who accounted for almost half the Vikings' total offense last week. Then, of course, there's the eyeball test. The Bears' body language for most of that game last week looked like a team that had lost their best friend. Chase Claypool spent the day looking for a best friend. Eberflus isn't the guy. The Bears spent all that offseason money addressing an O-line, and Darnell Wright was a draft reach. I've been higher on the Bucks all summer than most people, and I'm staying there. The drop-off from a late-stage Brady to Baker is significant on the field, only in presence. I trust Baker. I trust the Bucks. I bet them minus three. Dave Esler, Dave Esler, Dave Esler. Now, let, uh, we're going to take our time and let these points marinate, all right? Okay. Now, he's making—they're so good. I'm just going to quote him here. It says, the Bucks are confident— after a win, despite critics citing misleading box scores, Fed somehow he knew what, what 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 the common capper was going to say, and he is refuting it. Well, I'm the common capper in this case because uh-huh. I indeed. Well, what pick do you have here? I I gave out to my clients when the line was three. I took the dog. I took the Bears plus three. Listen, at three, I could see both sides. Again, if you're going against Diamond Dave. You, let's just say this. You're hoping for 52.4. I mean, that's my experience. And and yours, too. Let's be candid. Because I've been betting Diamond Dave against you, what, 50 times over the years? We'll see how it works on this one. Well, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, I, I have to ask you. So the, the look at line. Well, you should be asking Dave Asler, but go ahead. All right. I want to ask Dave. So the look at line was Bucks minus two. Mm-hmm. So now there's value Bucks, uh, Bucks plus two, and now the Bucks are... Minus three. Well, let me Minus, ask you this. Yeah. How much, I mean, in all honesty, if the Bears play as bad as they played that game, what were their down? Let's understand something. These games, if they're the truth, if God, if somehow God said that is the truth, the Bears are downgraded, what, six points? More. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the only thing we do is we say a half a point, a point, maybe a point and a half, because we're uncertain. Yep. How uncertain are we that the Bears had the worst defense in the league last year? And now they look no better. I mean, there's some range of outcome, but they have a bottom core tower of the league they, defense. They, yeah, they always get smashed by the Packers. So I got a. We just talked about matchups being important, like in the Rams. Except game, when so. you change the quarter, the Bears. How many players do the Bears have that have played any real time against the Packers? Like, what is it, two or th- or four games maybe for some of mm-hmm. them? And the quarterback has never taken a snap against the the. Uh, the Packer quarterback's never taken a snap against the Bears. I, 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 sometimes it's just a black box. It's Green Bay just destro- always beats up on because the Bears. Because of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in the last 30-some years. I, I think part of it is that their domination on the road, it's a very good venue for them to play in. Mm-hmm. On the real so, turf, so on the real a, grass in Soldier Field, and, and they've got a so good they crowd. have an advantage over the team's home field on the grass that they have. That would lessen the disadvantage, right? It wouldn't make I, an advantage, yes. right? And the crowd can't be what a quarter point, a half point. So what's been the margin of victory over the years? Eight points a game. Yes, I think it's got something to do with those two Hall of Famers and the Bears not having a Hall of Famer maybe on their roster <laughs> since Walter Payton. I mean, Erlacher, does he make the haul? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, has he made it yet? I'm sure he's not eligible yet, right? He hasn't or been retired he... for five yeah, years. Yeah, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Is he? Yeah, How'd I miss that? 
I don't know, Fez. You could have been Dustin. But <laughs> under a cloud of smoke in Las Vegas. Yeah, 2017. You got All right. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. But he's not playing now, is he? No. What's been the average score going back to, uh, what, what is it, 92, if we want to look at? What year did Favre start? I look at the trend since 93. It was the year after they fired Ditka, and it's 48 and 14 ATS. And what, but what is the um, straight-up margin? The What's that? Straight-up margin. What do you think? Is it 10? I'll go 11. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a ridiculously high number. All right, so we'll get plus eight point three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So well, Jordan loves ahead of pace. So, <laughs> so can we? That's good. Can we agree that it's probably not the grass, and it's probably not the crowd? That there's something else there. Because I've never heard of the grass being eight points. The grass and the crowd are probably a point and a half, and the rest is some other stuff. Yes. Okay. Maybe the Hall of Famers. Yeah. All right. So I mean, I think you guys were right about that pick. I don't. I still don't agree with the handicap. I don't think it can be the past. It just shows you how bad the Bears are in, in this year. I think because Justin Fields is the whole hope, right? Because what they can't. It's not like they're a great running team. I mean, we know I, the defense is going to be lousy. Mm-hmm. And Justin Fields can run very well in certain spots. And what else can he pass? Is the question. Mm-hmm. Wasn't this a disaster along the lines of you've had a whole off season, you've got more, you got all the you know more of the receiver. The theory is you're supposed to start showing it here when you're a favorite against the team that's been kicking your dick in the dirt for 30 years, <laughs> right? And them laying such an egg is to me a monster downgrade. They're getting crushed in the media. Every analyst is watching the film. Uh, Tim Jenkins, who's like a quarterback trainer, um, he was on like the Chicago like like post game and the radio and stuff. He, he called the offense, said it looked incompetent. And that's if you go on Twitter and just search for Bears offense, you'll get a bunch of people breaking down film about just how pathetic the offense looked in week one. And Justin Fields actually blamed the coaching, he, he's like, they got to take the train, like they got to take the restraints oh, off me because here we go, finger pointing. It, it, it was, it was, too, cook. it was too many uh, screens yeah. and dump off passes and things like that. It, it's just not. It's one week. It's after one week and everything's already gone. Because think about this a second. If Fields doesn't get a second contract. At 11, I don't know how much he made. What was he, the 11th pick? How much was his four-year deal for? Will they pick up his 50-year? If he plays like this the rest of the year, do they pick up his 50-year option? I don't think they do, right? Well, not if he played that bad. Wait, can I ask, what are the updated season win numbers? Because I don't I don't know them on, on these two teams. Oh, that's an interesting question. So um, why don't we do this? Let's let, let's Mackenzie can check that. He's checking one thing now for me. You know something, if you're not all like 99% there, don't worry about the salary stuff. My only point there was going to be, like he can have generate if he signs one more deal, he has generational wealth. If he doesn't, he can be pretty decent, but he's not going to be able to be a baller. And this game spoke a lot towards that. It seems I'm not sure how distracted you'd be if that were the case. Bears win total is six and a half. Packers is eight and a half. No, no, not Packers. Oh, Bucks. Bucks. Oh, Bucks. Yes, seven and a half flat. Okay, so think about this. So the Bucks have an extra win mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the market is saying the, both of these teams are supposed to win six and a half games the rest of the year. The Bears are home, and the Bears are catching two and a half to three. The Bears are on the road. Bears are on the road. Oh, I'm excuse me. <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. Not as strong. Okay, the market's saying these two teams are equal, 
And that would make Tampa a two-point favorite. Sorry, it, it, it's gotten late. I'm no, that's I'm fine. fading. I'm fading. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I do think that's strong. They're both supposed to win six and a half games. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's be let's be clear how you did that. So, Mackenzie, you said the the current number for the Bears is seven and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. And the current number for Tampa? Seven and a half. Okay. So the Bears have zero wins. And Tampa has one, so that means remaining, they're each supposed to win six and a half games. And your point is, hey, that makes them even teams. I don't know the strength of schedule between the two, but uh, I should. It's not right in front of me. Well, Tampa, Tampa plays in the NFC South, which well, is the easiest strength of schedule. Like we, all those teams were clustered uh, in the easiest end of the. Again, I I tend to like to look at the numbers, and I also like to reevaluate on week one. What did we learn? I mean, mm-hmm. to i tell you something else about strength of schedule real quick. The people who don't adjust for the injuries that happen or that are the case, like to act like a team that had, let's say when uh, Jordan Love played against Kansas City, to act like Kansas City, which happened two years ago, had played the normal Green it's Bay team example. is just wrong. Yeah. You know? uh, but anyway, I, I think you guys are right. First of all, at three, it was like, huh. Right, because the the market's saying long term these are equal teams. Yeah. Now I do think there is a momentum, isn't the way to say, it, but there's an aftermath to this Bears game that could be disconcerting or disconcerting for what that. Scott was saying about how yeah, all the here drama, we go again after infighting. all fighting. Yeah. So, but but going first, we do have the zero and one against the one and zero. So that's but, a positive. But see, I disagree with that. I think when you're – and let me – let's think about it one second because this is our last game, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys actually yeah. pre-recorded a few of the games there wasn't any picks on. Okay. If you're a bad team, the Bears, as they've been, do you think they would be better suited for this game off a win or a loss? And be, think about it a second. If you win, it's like, wow, things have changed. We do have our quarterback. The energy level just goes up. They couldn't be lackadaisical. How could the Bears be lackadaisical? And if you're Tampa, you're telling me off a loss, they're not going to start their, their own grumbling? Two bad teams like this, I'd rather have the 1-0 every time. So probably a good example would be Green Bay, right? That there's questions about Jordan Love, and they're ecstatic. They're, they're printing playoff tickets. Yeah, right I don't – I, I, that's a great example. They're a little higher in the totem pole, but now they went from thinking, do we have a quarterback to can we make the playoffs? You know, it's interesting when you're saying they're higher on the totem pole because they weren't. Both teams were lined exactly the same the season wins. Yeah. Amazingly. And that's why that was one of the reasons we fired on Green Bay. Yes. Over. So I'm not saying this invalidates all the I'm saying the 0110, I think, helps me here myself. Interesting. What do you think, Scott? Does that feel right to you? Yeah, obviously you want the team that's playing with confidence here. I just think there's so much negativity around the Bears mm-hmm. after that performance. And and I know, oh, players don't read and they don't watch the media and they don't. Yeah, they know what's going oh, on. Especially the players of today. Yes. You know what I could do for a study for next week? Is look at the season wins and say you got two teams below 500 projected season wins, and there's a one and zero versus an zero and one. What happens? Yes, that would be interesting. Yes. All right. So finishing Nestler here, he said the Bucks had 3.6 yards per play. Their defense gave up only. They forced two fumbles. Forced. That's a verb. Did you notice that? And had an interception themselves. No turnovers. They said no, thank you. And they only had three penalties. That's, what's that a sign of as a team with very few penalties and no turnovers? Discipline. Discipline. The Bears seem to be the opposite. Is there any other word I could have used? No, I think it was perfect. Um, winners, maybe. 
Three and 13 on third down. And that was at home. The Bucks defense, strong. I mean, yeah, this is a nice pick at two and a half especially. What do you think? Uh, Baker Mayfield. Have you converted? No. Baker Mayfield as a favorite. 11 and 23 career has failed to cover eight straight games as a favorite. Okay. So if he's. You've ta- watched Baker. You know you can't trust him. You know you can't. But Don't. he picked up on the Vikings signals. No. <laughs> no. Maybe he did one week. Come on. I didn't even hear him say that. Why did he say that? Uh, there's rumors that he. Uh, he picked up on the Vikings' defensive signals, and he was telling his guys in the huddle, like, when they wave their hands like this, they're going to this coverage. When they're doing this, he sounds like a, like a, a savant. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was able to accomplish that 3.7 yards per play. Now, you had a guy for the, the Cowboys, uh, Sean Lee, right? You thought he was worth three points. <laughs> No, I, I did think he was worth three because of that very reason that he knew it was coming. <laughs> so Baker's worth three. <laughs> in this situation, well, this had this does happen in baseball games every now and then. Scotty, tell him. Yeah, pitchers tip pitches, yes. So listen, here's the way I see it, Fez. What's the worst that Dave Esler's going to – what's the worst spots he's going to put himself in is a coin flip. Dave's never on the 47% side. We've got like 3,000 picks of history with him. And he and you and, and Goodfellow are like neck and neck. Now I'm going to strongly disagree. Well, listen, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Okay. You're wrong. Tell me about pregame.com. <laughs> you're, 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 Tell me about pregame. I want to hear about it. Tremendous website. You, you, you have winning handicappers and they can no, have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Dave Asler. He has a range between some of his plays are going to win 63% mm-hmm. all the way down to 45%. Now, is, that the case, big, is that the case with you? That's the case of every handicap. Okay. Yeah. So which one of yours are the 45? Oh, I have lemons. I, which I mean, one are? I mean, do you know beforehand? No. Okay. Every now, you know, that to be fair, every now and then, yes, because every now and then you the market, the market a... flips me the bird big time. And you figure you can't be right. I figure it's a lot less likely. Well, yeah. All See, right. You, you disagree? Mar- By the way, I think the oh, market. Sorry. I think the the worshiping of the market is a lot of small-minded people that, quite frankly, don't really understand sports when they came into it. So they obsessed on the math of it. Except this isn't in a lab. This isn't a lab. Mm-hmm. The very fact of the Donahay scandal completely shows us that, that that when there was any corruption, it's hard. Now, again, you could say, well, the Donahue numbers moving in that direction was a sign of the right side because it was a signifier. Right. And I think you're right. But in that regard, but also all the people, you know how much money was lost by the pros betting against the Donahue move? See, you're making my point, I think, because well, there'd be like ahead. winning NBA betters well, that, all, that hit uh, like 58%, right? But they well, might hit, not hitting 58%. Right, 50, yeah, let's get in the right. round. Of you're, you're right. You're right. So they're hitting 55%, but they hit 46% on Donahue games because their models keep spitting out the opposite of what the market's moving because they're unaware of the one key factor, right? That is a great example of that. But what the reason I brought, and what that means is the information. So this goes back to the story where the Pentagon, after 9 11, wanted to start a prediction market in which they would take things on when the next terrorist attack would take, and they wanted to pay real money on it. Mm. They, were, they figured, how much do they spend to try to find out where the terrorists are going to act? If they had to pay some $50,000 bets, they'd be ecstatic because they think anyone that had a vague sense of a terrorist attack would start betting it if they were on the periphery. Right? They aren't Smart. P- right? And Don't they do that? It's called oil prices. Well, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but, but so... Fez, do you think that like the theoretical models of this, of like what 
an efficient market is. Again, I I went to college right in the middle of the efficient market uh, frenzy. Like if you actually look at the ebbs and flows of the belief in the um, efficient market is when I was in school between 89 and 92, it was like it was at its height. I, I don't look at the sports betting market and see efficiency. Um, I mean, could corruption be efficient? Meaning if, if everything, because isn't the premise, in fact, oh, thank God, I thought you had me here and it just hit me. The whole premise of an efficient market is all known information Known keyword, yeah, is built into the line, yes, or built into whatever the pricing is. The Donahue was no, when we say known, publicly known. So, I think in a way you could extend that and say all known or all information anyone knows, and it kind of makes your point, but I'm not sure if that's valid or not. Because if you have everyone with all the known information betting one way. And someone with inside information betting the other, how can that be considered an efficient market? That someone with all known information can't win long term. It doesn't, it doesn't go against CLV, but it does go against the efficient market. I, I think it's just an exception to the rule. Okay. Which right, contradicts the rare exception. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how rare is it, though? Yeah. I think there's a lot of 12 points. Everyone thinks they can't. I mean, there was a study done. And again, it's a whole other conversation we can save. But there was a study done from a, a guy, uh, Wolfers, I think. W- I love this study. You know yeah. this one? Yeah, you, yeah. Told, you told me. And, and it's like they, they said, what's going to be the line that really will lend itself to corruption? They said, like, I think between plus 12 and plus 18. Big favorite in a basketball game. And like the gambler had this exact situation even back in 73 or whatever where, hey, you're, you're favored by 14. You just got to – you can win the game. Just don't win by 14. Yeah, you yeah. win by double digits. So the theory was that half the game, like how many games would fall? Like this is something at dating sites, right? You go to a dating site, you see for every 29-year-old, you see about, mm, I don't know, 10% of 30-year-olds, right? So there's 10 29-year-olds for every 30-year-old. Well, statistically, there should be a, about the same number of 29-year-olds as 30-year-olds. And there's way more six-foot-tall guys <laughs> than 5'11 five five guys. Way more. So the outcomes of these games should fall a half point over, uh, you know, where the dog covers, a half point where the dog loses. So, by example, correct me if I'm wrong, 14-point yep. favorite. What the study showed is that team lost by one, excuse me, won by 11, 12, 13, just barely missed the cover a lot more than they won by 15, 16, 17. That's it. And and, and that in a normal distribution, that wouldn't be the case. Right. And that's a sign over with enough sample of corruption. And he wrote a whole paper on it. And again, I will admit and give a t- hat tip to the Matty Holt and those kind of people, and Matty's at the, one of the leaders of that, is they are catching a lot of people and I think it's acting as a deterrent. If, if I was trying to fix a game, which I never have, I would be less inclined today than I was before legalization. And I would be only betting in non-legal books. And I'm not trying to give advice, to, but what I'm saying is you bet in a legal book, it seems like you're going to get caught these days. This study came before only Vegas was legal at that point. Yeah, and, and Vegas has a long history of catching that sort of corruption, Arizona State and, and Boston College and all these, these various— Yeah, but if you catch three times in 20 years, Man, what percentage prob- did they catch? Probably less than 10 percent. But if it wasn't regulated, they wouldn't have caught any, any of them. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. So the, the, we got to have a whole— Three-hour part about efficient market and CLV, like next May. 
And right. correct me if I'm wrong, I forgot my economics. There's a semi-efficient market, right? Yeah. And, and what's the difference between a semi-efficient and the efficient market? It, it would be, and again, I don't have the technical term, but it will be the idea that the pricing will represent, for the most part, mm-hmm. the known information, mm-hmm. right? But uh, here's what I know. The more liquid a market is, the more efficient it is. That's for sure. The bigger the limits by liquidity. The more money that's generally bad, which is driven by the limits. So when an NFL, when Side. books are taking 10000 and 50000 even 100000 a game, you're much more your confidence that the spread is much higher than when you're talking about a little league world series the accuracy game. of the spread yeah yeah and but even if you look at just NFL games prop markets the fact that a prop market on a site like established a run or whatever will move drastic like 10% 15% doesn't that i mean it proves that there's not that the information is so clustered like let's say that the the the, the uh, um Let's say that uh, established a run <clears throat> said, you know what? Because let's be honest, there's been some serious people that's lost a lot of money gambling. And they've done, I mean, like the guy that ran the prescription killed himself, right? The, what was his name? Ken Weiss. The shrink. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he had. He was in the middle of all, of, you know, a lot of syndicates, a lot of whatever. And he lost so much, he, he, you know, unfortunately he killed him. I didn't know him, but I knew I, of, I knew him pretty well. Yeah. So did he ever strike you as a guy that was going to whack himself out? Well, of course not, because I'm yeah. not very so- aware, socially aware about those sort of things. But I think most people. I mean, I was asking that almost rhetorically. Most people don't ever seem like that. He had. He had. There was one instance. I didn't know him that well. That stood out to me. I never told you this. I don't. No, think. no I don't think you. Had. I didn't even know you knew him. So he was going. To, we're going through the money talks contest. We we're both contestants. And long story short, he had, he had a lot of money on him. Now, what year was this? Like 2006. Yeah. Right. Somewhere around then. And he goes, um, Fez, I'm coming back in, in in a month. Can 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 you hold on to something for me? I'm like, sure. And he just hands me sixty thousand. I mean, I don't know him really well. And he's Jesus. like, I'm coming back in like a month. Can I have that? And so when he came back, I gave it back to him. And he looked and he says, This isn't the sixty k I gave you, you know. And I said, No, I I put it in a sports account and I just pulled it back out. So that was funny. So you were batting off his money? So I, I, well, I, I didn't know I was supposed to keep it in my basement. I don't know, you know? So Well, see, if or, I yeah. was you, I would have been worried that he had someone watching you and was going to bust in that night and take it. <laughs> I mean, that. I mean that. if a real scumball, that, I'm not saying he was a scumball. I'm saying, like, think no. about that. You take it because you don't know how to say no. He's gone before you even realize it. And then what do you do? Yeah. Well, he was just, you could tell he was very fast and loose well, with, that's what with those his t- money yeah, management, yeah. which would be consistent with a guy that would go broke gambling. Yeah. And right? the only reason I bring that up is imagine if, and I'm not saying any any major site is like this, but imagine if that was similar to a site like Established to Run that moves the markets. All of a sudden now it's like, hey, why don't you put out, the, you know, there's some kind of shenanigans. If Established to Run put out the opposite plays... For one week as a test, do you do we really feel like there'd be a lot of buyback? Oh no, it, it would it would all move run the same, the same, move the same. Now and, maybe maybe there'd be some, but but no, I don't think it would even get back to like if they gave out the wrong side and they played out um, Ridley over over eighty and mm-hmm. and they liked under right, it would move to ninety. And then it'd probably come back to like eighty three when it really should be like seventy three. I, I think something first, like that. I think the first week, I'm not sure because anyone that's sharp enough to be willing to that would be able to move that would know established runs history. I, I think the first week they would they say have jelly in the belly. We're Real missing scared. something here. Yeah, we're, there's yeah. exactly. So doesn't that prove it's not an efficient market? That that act right there says someone's whim 
could completely dictate the entire market. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I guess it's how you define a whim to say, hey, these guys, like this parameter is so strong that it, by it's definition— that it, the it, move is not based upon—in that case, wouldn't be based upon anything that's underlying the true nature yeah. of the market, which is by definition inefficient. Yeah, well, you, when we did the local show and the, the Duquesne total, mm-hmm. where, they, where they, it should have been 150, and the, the Dayton total was 130, and they made the next game 130 also. They just copied the Dayton total. So it was off by like, what, 20, 30, yeah. Yeah, 25 points, basically, and then it, it just matriculated up. Like all, it took like it didn't. You think an efficient market would take three minutes for it to like bang? It's wrong. Not not back when we were doing the show in, in yeah. like it, this it was, was like six two, years ago, maybe, yeah, two thousand fifteen. That it it just it was so slow. It's like it literally went up a point every. 20 minutes forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and, and other books put up the same number. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every single book. There was not one book that said, you guys are fools. Think We're about making that. this 148. Imagine a, ba- a ba- uh, or I'm sorry, a football total that should be 55 and they put it up as 45. How long would it last? Well, this one lasted all day. Or, or it, it, it dropped all, it, the um, mistake was corrected over the course of like 10 hours. It, wow. took, it, it took all day. Yeah. So, again, I'm not saying that generally now NFL— but, but, but this happens in FCS versus FBS games, mm-hmm. and, and what happens is that you see a total, and it'll move like 12 on Saturday morning. Like it gets put up at 45, and then 10 minutes later it's 55. So, it, so the markets are different than when we were doing that local show. And that was for college basketball. Yes, no, this was for college football. Yeah, well, that's a different market, though. College yeah, basketball. it's a, it's a, and a lot more liquid market. And yeah. you got to wonder how liquid are college basketball totals if you can only get down two hundred fifty dollars in yeah. Vegas, right? Yeah. I mean, you can bet more in the WNBA. Yeah. All right. So my official decade. I hope you guys know I'm saying it with a wink. The decade, you know, parlay of the decade. I will be uh, taking off the rubber band. On this one, and it is Pittsburgh over, and it is under Baltimore. You guys, anything else you like or anything else we want to know? We got a couple games you guys went over that we didn't have picks on, but wrapping up uh, here, my participation in this part, what is it, about 10, 15 minutes, the rest of it? Yep. Yep. You know, I had one question about a game you guys went over. Let me see. So the games you guys got going over... You want to uh, read them off? Indianapolis at Houston. Uh, not that one. Uh, Jets-Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And Commanders-Broncos. All right. Jets-Cowboys. So how much, Fez, how much, Scott, uh, different question for each of you here. It feels like with the, an, Woody Johnson is how, what, he's almost 80 or is he 80? I mean, he's like in the Jerry Jones range, right? 76. Okay, so at this point, as a former actuary, Fez, he's counting his years. He's he's counting his chance to win a Super Bowl, right? He's never won one. I I think you always, until you're like 95, you always have 10 more years than you, minimum, in life expectancy. Well, first of all, 94-year-olds don't have 10 years left. Yeah, at some point, it's you're right, it's less. But but I, th- I think like an 88-year-old still has a mortality that they're supposed to make it almost 10 years. I got, I'd have to look at the latest tables. I, I could almost agree with what you're saying if you said 80, because just seeing like people in my, I, I think once you hit the early 90s, it doesn't matter who you are. It's I, I agree. So it might that, only be like six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is at 80, I think it's fair to uh, my, be 10. Yeah. yeah, my grandfather was just as healthy seemingly at 90 as he was at 80. But between 90 and 95, it was a different thing. I agree with that. Um, so, but here's the point. The people don't feel that. When you, like, I've never gotten to this age, no one here has, 
where you could die that day and it wouldn't shock anyone. Like when you're that age, that's going to be a different mindset, right? Is that that just happened to me? I'm going to be sixty, and I yeah, thought, but and, you get yeah, come on, and, I, and I'm like, boy, you know, eighty might be that that might be. You know, it, yeah, that's you're saying I might have 20 years left. Yeah, but it's the when, first time I ever even thought about it. When you're 80, I was thinking about when I was 20. Mm. I was like, okay, and, <laughs> but when you're 80, it's like any day you could go and you know yeah. it. So I think that there's high motivation. Could the Jets just make a crazy trade? I mean, like give up a couple number ones and like if they offered a couple number ones for Stafford. I don't think it's Stafford's it's, got too much long term money. I don't think. Yeah, no, I'm saying they don't care about any of it. They're going all I don't think, freaking in. I don't think it's out of the question. And the best—I don't want to say the best part, but the bright side of the Aaron Rodgers injury is now the Jets do not have to give up next year's first-round pick to the Packers. So it's a two now instead of a it's one. It's a two now instead of a one. So you can use that first-round pick to trade for somebody. Uh, uh, the Jets asked Rams about Stafford trading for Aaron Rodgers before trading for Rodgers. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, Stafford and the Rams look good. So yeah, but I'm be. saying at a certain point, if you offer enough, the Rams know they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. I, I mean, if, if you offer three number ones for Stafford, they'd have him tomorrow. Yeah. So wh- where's the line? Right? Cause they, I don't think it's crazy. I think the Jets, you know, that they, they you can say all the right things about going forward with Zach Wilson. But I do think that they're doing their due diligence and thinking about what quarterbacks could be had. And, and there are names out there, whether you want Kirk That's Cousins. That's why their season the wins last, eight and a half. Kirk if, Cousins if, on if the we, last if, year of his deal. If you told me that Wilson was going to be quarterback, there's no way the Jets should be eight and a half. No way. I agree. Meaning you, the, built into this number, the season win, is the possibility of a trade like this. Sure. Because let me ask you a question. How do the Jets ever make a Super Bowl if they go status quo? Meaning, Wilson wasn't just bad. He was the worst quarterback of the last five years. They they don't – well, they don't unless you're saying next year they hit on a quarterback. You know, whether it's a draft or whatever. So they take a a quarterback number one. Yeah. Even then it takes a couple – because here's the thing. They got the team to win now. Yes. Well, the assumption would be they have one more year with Rodgers. I mean, if mm-hmm. he comes back and plays. Oh, he's going to be he's going to be washed beyond belief. I would think so, too. But he said he's committed to coming back. Uh, well, because he wants the, the money. money. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a negative. Because remember, you, he, they he would took rather, the pay cut this year, and he gets the money next year. Let me ask you, RJ, as Jets management, you'd love nothing better than for Rodgers to retire, right, than to come back next year. If there was any financial savings, for sure. Yeah. And I think there would be. But he's not going to do that. Right. And and I I find it almost impossible that he could come back as a, even an average quarterback. And I don't want to wish bad things on him. It's just I'm not sure he was much better than average at this point. I mean, because he, he in the preseason, people that I test people said he wasn't moving great. It, mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't seem like he was moving. I mean, in theory, we don't want to blame him, but he's supposed to have that ball out of the pocket when this happens, right? Or go down like Tom Brady does and avoids the hit. And... I he mean, really didn't get hit that hard. He got well, that's around. the thing about the yeah. Achilles, man. I mean, it can just be a weird way. You... It's that turf. It's that cursed turf. It's not the turf. It's brand new turf this year. That's what I'm saying. Brand new. All right. All right. And, and, and the players raved about it. Even Aaron Rodgers right. raved about it. But there's been listen. The, the players' association came out with a lot of talk about it. So I mean, you're right. It's a, it's all a narrative. I I don't think they're too good to even get. I mean, what kind of draft choice are they going to get? Like the twentieth? Yeah. Or the. But you use that to package to maybe move up and get somebody. Yeah, but people want like three first rounders yes. to go from eleven. I think to their three. best their best bet is to trade for a veteran. Is, is it, whether you want to trade for Get Kirk Cousins, Cousins, you want to trade for Matt Stafford, you got to trade for somebody. And that, you're that, gonna have pay out the wall zoo. Yep. 
I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if they do, because otherwise they're going to be a 500 team for the next two or three years. Then these great players are going to start to leave because you can't pay mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. And then you're right back. It's going to be 10 years well, before. At least get Jameis Winston or somebody. Oh, he, I think we've gone through right. it with Jameis. I'd rather have Zach Wilson right now. Yeah, listen, really? they, I think it's almost a sh- I don't know about that. I don't well, but, <laughs> well, we don't. We haven't seen this version of Zach Wilson yet. Well, we saw Good some luck of with it. that. We saw some of it. Yeah, right? but that was with a limited playbook, not expecting him to be a part of the game plan. Oh, he's now terrible. he goes Come in on. as the starter, and and let's wait till Aaron Rodgers gets on the sidelines, puts his headset on, and is talking oh, to him during the like games. Oh, he looks like he's a good mentor. Yeah, and he's going to be coaching him like he was during the preseason. Well, how do you think Jordan Love got so good? <laughs> Quick question: If I'm a Jets fan, that win. So who was the co- it was the coach the former Miami coach that is out of the league uh, who was the coach at that point? Uh, twenty twenty was um, yeah it had to be right yeah that Adam was Gase. Uh, yeah that's right yeah. Adam Gase with the the, the stare bewildered look right yeah. <laughs> the legend of the Adam. eyes yeah. I mean Fez how good would the Jets be with Trevor Lawrence? Well, well they'd the, be a point better than they were would have been with Aaron Rodgers, which would have been what. Which would have been a 10 win team going in, and the best team in the NFL it was lined at 11. So, and right be, there with the contenders. Let's be candid. What about the next year and the next year? And we've already upgraded the rest of the team, sans the quarterback. With very young players. The counterpoint the Jets don't have Garrett Wilson or Sauce Gardner if they've had Trevor Lawrence. Well, that's not true because Trevor Lawrence was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league by, I mean, he was horrible his rookie year. Right, horrible. He was, and he was, he was, he was decent the second half of last but year. But they would have like oh, probably, he was good. The they probably get the, They probably get the tenth pick instead of the fourth pick, so they don't get Sauce Gardner. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I mean, would I trade? No, they could have. Would they trade Sauce Gardner for Trevor Lawrence? I'd say yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, and plus, <laughs> yeah. who knows who they would have gotten five picks later, seven yeah. picks later, right? I mean, I would say this: Trevor Lawrence on the Jets. If you say most Super Bowls in the next five years, how many people? How many teams are ranked over them? Kansas, Kansas City. City. I think that's it. San Francisco. I don't know. They got some. I mean, how, what's McCaffrey got? Another year or two at this level? He's like twenty nine. They're just so loaded. But, but they're going. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm not. Lose. I'm. I'm. I don't know. They're going to lose. They're going to lose one of these playmakers like probably next year. I mean, by, the, yeah. by the way, the Jaguars drafted number one overall <laughs> the, the following year Trayvon after Walker, drafting yeah. Trevor That's what Lawrence. I'm saying. So, it was that bad. So maybe the Jets could have had thanks, Trayvon thanks Walker Ur- or Aiden Hutchinson. Thanks, Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that brings up a good, I guess, a good discussion. Like, where's the line drawn, Scott? Would you trade Sauce Gardner for Kirk Cousins today? No. I think he's right because of the how young. You know, versus Cousins, but this year Cousins comes in and improves things at least as much as Rogers. Like, right? where, yeah, where does where's Cousins? It, like, where, where, where are the Jets if Cousins is there? Like, are they a Super Bowl contender? Yes, I think absolutely. exactly the same where, the, yes. where Aaron Rodgers yes. was, had him. So you wouldn't trade Sauce but, Gardner for Kirk? Cousins. But their defense takes a uh, a hit without Sauce Gardner. He's a cornerback, though. Yeah, he's an important. Well, you pick, you pick, you pick up. I mean, the, if you're going to stay pat with Wilson. You you make the trade if you're gonna like find some stopgap me- measure. You don't make the trade but who's because stopgap. The best stopgap you're gonna get is Andy Dalton, Minshew, Matt Ryan. You could sign a Carson Wentz. None of those are answers though. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is Carson Wentz is unsigned. You could get him for nothing. Yeah, it's amazing. But he somehow he shoots elk or something, and no one likes him. <laughs> I wonder what he's like in the locker room. 
And I'd like a guy to bring me elk jerky. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'd, be the guy, I'd be your friend. Man. That's the truth. <laughs> All right, so you guys go over a handful of these games. I think this Jess story, I don't feel sympathy too often for a fan base. you got to – I, I went over this on SOVAM. Oh, I, this I, was good. I went Do this quick. The, I went through the seven stages of grief now listen, when that happened. He actually go get the list up. This yeah. is great. When it first happened, I was I was in shock. I, I couldn't believe four plays into the game, and, and Aaron Rodgers goes down after all the hype of coming into this season. And then the denial came in. I said, he's he's not hurt. Because it go- comes back where they say the he's, x-ray's negative. He's going into the, I watched that. Guys, we watched the quarterback series. We watched Patrick Mahomes go into the locker room, get a precautionary x-ray, and come right back into the game. So I'm denying everything. He's going to be fine. And then the anger sets in. I start taking my anger out on other people. Everyone on <laughs> everyone on Twitter wanting the refunds on their Aaron Rodgers prop bets. I'm firing back at them on Twitter. And then I'm bargaining. I'm like, you know what? We're going to be okay. Like there's this th- something's going to happen here. Like this maybe a trade, maybe they a, pull trade, a miracle maybe, trade. Maybe Zach Wilson's going to be all right. Like maybe 9 so, weeks yeah. later he's going to mur- miracle. And, and then there's, then there's depression. I call my brother. I said, we just we can't have nice things. Like, ever. Like, it's just, we're doomed as Jets fans. Then the acceptance and the hope. And what's the hope? The hope is that Aaron Rodgers becomes a coach to Zach Wilson, and we see the best version of Zach Wilson that we've ever seen in his young career. Now, this is where because the, Scott, of the tutelage of Aaron Rodgers. This is where the Scott Seidenberg seven levels, traditional levels, say he rewrites history and he goes back to deny. He goes back to deny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but now and I and can still just, make the playoffs. The cycle just keeps on going. Yeah. <laughs> the final step is processing the grief, which is hey. Well, you're hearing at least it. Jets you're, you're hearing it right now. <laughs> no, no, it's it's at least Jets Raiders tickets are going to be cheaper in November. <laughs> Send me boots of Spanish leather, baby. All right, let's go on to the end of the show, and then you know I'm going to wait and listen to this, and we'll be here for Faz to take us out. Okay, let's take a look at the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Indy minus one on the road, and I guess Fez. What did you think of Indy's performance last week? Uh, that was one that – it was my four-weight last week. It was one of my losers. But I honestly felt like they probably should have won that game outright. Uh, the fact that they didn't cover is a big disappointment. Um, but I also am not really thrilled about what I saw out of Indy. So it's kind of – I don't know how to feel about the Colts right now. So the rookie quarterbacks have a terrible against the spread record, especially early in the year, and yep. especially week one. But I don't know if we can blame Anthony Richardson because when he left this game, Indy had about, oh, an 80% chance to cover. And then Minshew, yeah. hey, Gardner, we need you in there. Tie up your shoes. What? Huh, what? <laughs> Three plays from the one, didn't get in, no cover, can't blame Richardson. You know what? I would make the case there's so much uncertainty in this game. I would only look towards under because we don't even know if Richardson's going to play, right? I mean, he's he's banged up on that um, on the play where he ran the ball like a tank on the goal line, or to get to the goal line, and I don't trust either one of the quarterbacks. And if I don't know Richardson's going to be 100%, it sure looks like this is 20-17 to 17 written on it, which means first half under – and it means tease, I don't care who's favored, tease the other guys and get them above plus seven. And we've already had a flip of the favorites once. Could happen again. I think it's a good teaser candidate. I say, I don't know what's going to happen. The defenses are going to win, AJ. Yeah, CJ Stroud did not look good at all, but the Texans' defense looked pretty solid. And maybe that's the Ravens' struggles. I, I, I'm not sure, but the Texans look like they're going to be okay defensively. 
my thought was home dog, just take the Texans, right? But the Colts are 13-6-2 straight up against Houston in the last 10 years. In those 10 years, they've only lost twice in Houston. So it's just a that track record alone is enough for, uh, in what's obviously a coin flip game with a, a one-point spread. That's enough to leave me off of it altogether. Anthony Richardson not listed on the injury report, so he's 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 a go. He's fine, uh, or at least they're not listing him as anything. The Colts in their divisional games, though, not a good ATS record in the last twenty-one divisional games. The Colts are just five and sixteen against the spread against their own division. I stayed away from this one completely with the matchup of the two rookie quarterbacks because of the the negativity that I have towards rookie quarterbacks, especially the trends that we give out with the first three weeks of the season. So I I don't want anything to do with either of these teams. And it's new coaching staffs, new quarterbacks. There's there's just too much you know that we too much unknown really to to have a firm take on this game. I think. All right, moving on, the New York Jets, Scott's New York Jets, one and zero New York Jets. Unbeaten, unbeatable, some would say. New Just Jets. end the season. <laughs> J-E-T-S. Plus nine and a half. Was that a niner I heard there? Yes, it was. Nine and a half at Dallas. I mean, this is a fascinating line move because Aaron Rodgers is either the most valuable player in the history of time or... This is an overreaction. What do you think, Scott? I think it's both. <laughs> it's yes, there should have been a move from the three, the three and a half to the seven, seven and a half. But I think going now from seven and a half to nine and a half is too much of an overreaction. Yes, Zach Wilson was not good last year. Zach Wilson has also had an entire training camp with Aaron Rodgers to be his mentor. And well, that as- also means he's had an entire training camp where he didn't get first team reps. Sure, but he still played in the preseason because Aaron Rodgers only got two series in the entire preseason. And last week when he came into the game, that was a shrunken playbook for him. This week, it's all open. They're going into this week with him as the number one quarterback. They're going to prepare all week with him as the number one quarterback. So I would expect the playbook to be opened for Zach Wilson. And this Jets defense is going to enable them to be competitive in any game they play. Nine and a half just seems like too much of an overreaction to the quarterback being out. I, a seven and a half makes sense to me. Nine and a half seems like it's too much, Fez. Fez, what's the right move on the downgrade from Rodgers to Zach Wilson? Five points, and I'm not on an island there. By the way, they interviewed, or I saw like a collective minds where they asked like 20 experts how much he was worth, and they came up with 5.7. So my number is a little bit lower, probably because I have Rodgers lower. I had him one point better than an average quarterback, Wilson four points worse. Difference is five. So right before the Monday night game kicked off, the look-ahead line was three and a half everywhere. So I don't care it opened three. It was three and a half was the number. And so if it's a five-point difference, we go to eight and a half. But the Jets played very well. I got to upgrade the Jets for their performance. I would say worthy of a point. So I would make it seven and a half. So why is this line nine and a half? Well, if you're going to upgrade the the Jets for their performance, uh, the Cowboys had a pretty good performance too, didn't they? Yeah, but I'd already already upgraded. The Dallas was already built into that Monday number at 5 p.m. before they kicked off. Yes. Um, And I think what's going on is people are looking at the spot in a little more detail now, and they're like, Jets, emotional, overtime Mm -hmm, victory. mm -hmm. Short week, and they had to play an overtime on top of it, and they're all huggy huggy. You know, this you know, we 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 prevailed. 
that's got to be a favorable, you know, extra. Now, you could say that should have been built into the market already for the spot, but the fact that the game went overtime, I think it could be worth up to a point. So I can get to eight and a half. And you know what? If I can get to eight and a half, I got no business laying seven and a half or taking nine and a half with those dead numbers. I pass the game. Yeah, I, this is tough because I, I do think this is a lower scoring game. Um, it, it obviously, it, we didn't really see much of Dallas's offense. They didn't have no. to do anything. They were up 14 nothing. The offense had one possession. Yeah, they never had to do anything in that game. And I know the Jets' offense is going to be bad. I, I think these are two of the you know three or four best defenses in the league against two offenses that I think have a lot of questions. So I, I think it's an under game. And if it's an under game and I'm catching almost double-digit points, like that's certainly the way I would lean. I, I mean, this could be like a air out of the balloon thing now that, like you said, the Jets won their Super Bowl last week. And do they, do they, are they up for this game? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I have a question for all of you. The scoring was down, but not excessively so. There's a lot of fluky scores, but offensive production in general was way, way down. There's some fluke touchdowns. Is it possible that the NFL, they know where the bread is buttered, all this fantasy football going on, not enough big plays. The memo goes out, hey, what's point of emphasis and uh, make sure our receivers aren't getting mugged, maybe some more defensive holding, some more pass interference. Not in week two. I could see that happening if we have another couple of downscoring weeks that there might be an emphasis on defensive holding and con- illegal contact penalties for sure. But I don't think after one week it's it's that the officials will start doing that. All right, Washington plus three and a half at the Broncos. This is the same number Denver was laying against the Raiders last week at home. Are the Raiders and the Commanders the same? I feel like the Raiders are way better than Washington. I would agree with that. Uh, I also think that, I don't know about way better, they're definitely better. They're better. So why is the number the same? I, I don't know. What I can tell you is that the Broncos scored 17 points last week. And that's the 12th time in the last 18 games that they have failed to score over 17 points. Maybe Russell Wilson's just the problem. And it's not the head coach. Different head coach, offense still, they only scored 17 points. If the Broncos only score 17 points in this game, wouldn't you love to take the three and a half if I told you that before the game, Fez? Is this a trick question? Yes, yeah, I would love to. Of course. To. So I lean towards the commanders in this one. I gave the stat earlier when I talked about my uh, play against the Panthers about the retread head coaches, and I'll just repeat that now. (laughs) But coaches that are in their first year with a new team, so it's not rookies. These are just the retreads. They take over a new team. They always start slow. Weeks 1 through 10 in their first season, 39% ATS. So I'm going to continue to fade Sean Payton here until I see a turnaround from the Denver Broncos. You know, AJ brings up a good point. We have a nice comp here, a nice clean comp. Denver home games against the Raiders in Washington. Coming into the season, those were deemed to be equivalent teams. Season win, six and a half for both of them. And we saw the three and a half was way too high, and they took the dog. All right? So now, was Washington's performance subpar against Arizona? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> was Denver's performance subpar against the Raiders? Probably not by quite as much. So maybe maybe can get from three to three and a quarter. At three and a half, I absolutely can't lay it. But there is one one factor here. I got the 0-1 team straight up playing the 1-0 team. So mm-hmm. I got the fat and happy Raiders that have a win. And uh, no, Washington. the Broncos. Yeah, right. I got the fat and happy Washington team with the win. Thank you. And I got a Denver team that needs the game like blood at home, where they've historically been good the first two weeks in altitude. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's got to be worth at least a half point. If I had to actually play it, my, my power rating's like Denver, which means my numbers are probably wrong. I've got Denver a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think, you know, i got Denver rated. I want to ask you guys, half a point worse than an average team? That's probably too high. Would you agree? Mm, it might be a little too high. Yeah. And you have Washington where at? I've got Washington four points worse. And where are they in the like in the overall? Like what number are they? Mm. You know, it's interesting because I really never pay any attention to that because. But but yeah, to give context, Washington number twenty eight, and Denver uh, tied for fifteenth, three way tie. Yeah, Denver feels high to me. Washington feels about right though, and mm-hmm. like Washington, what I saw last week, they may be worse than I thought. <laughs> like the idea that Arizona was hanging with this team is crazy. Arizona got six sacks on Sam Howell, and I don't think that's changing because Sam Howell in college was known for holding on to the ball too long. They never threw downfield. How can you, how can you sack him I, six times? I don't know. I think that this, this Washington offense, like this proved that the preseason means nothing. Sam Howell is not good at football. I'm almost certain of it. I, I I can't say but 100%. Pittsburgh did so well after the great preseason. Well, it didn't uh, work out for no, Kenny Pickett that was either. Another yeah. bad example. Yeah, I, I think the the questions are about Jerry Judy, and I think what you said about the the offense is true, Scott. They, I mean, their offense is was abysmal. It, it was like nothing was further than five yards. I think I, I think Russell Wilson's a dot was five yards, in fact. But if Judy comes back, if he's announced in, I think this line goes Denver's way. How important is another receiver injured for Denver? Dolchich, the, Dol- tight, the tight, end. tight end. He's big. He's yeah. huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he better be. He's a tight end. Yeah, but I, I'm. I mean, huge. Like he's a huge. It's a huge problem to not have him. But I think if Judy comes back and they've got a big play threat, there's going to be some positive love for for Denver. But if he doesn't, I, I don't know. I, I this number, I guess it feels about right. The total's 39. The last eight games in Denver in September, seven and one to the under. Average 36 and a half points. So th- this is nothing new. And whether it's out, I don't know what it is. Out I would not what? I would not run a hurry up in Denver weeks one and two. Yeah. If I was the road team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to give that stat again, we've talked about it throughout the podcast tonight, but the 0-1 teams versus the 1-0 teams, the 0-1 teams, 58.5% ATS since 2012. I got to tell you, I think I would have added something to those games, but okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Fez. Hey! Hey! Especially Jets fans. Let's be careful out there. I think Fez gets a C plus for this episode. 